Combing the Stacks podcast, your go-to podcast for six decades of music, three albums at a time. Each decade, we cover over 200 albums spanning all musical genres and tastes from the well-known acts to the cult favorites. Your tour guides on this journey are John, Josh, and Matt, three amateur music podcasters who all share a love of music and a shared quest to hear the next great album. And now we head into the Stacks. It's the evening of December 14th, 2023, and you are listening to the Combing the Stacks Music Podcast, Season 4, Episode Dose, as we said earlier today, or as, or as Matt said, Katorse? <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. That will be in a couple weeks. Uh, just a reminder, we'll just get this out of the way, just search Combing the Stacks Music Podcast on everything multimedia, and you'll find something associated with the podcast, whether it be individual album reviews on YouTube, full shows on all the major podcasting platforms you got spotify playlists you got like josh's letterbox account just throw it into google and see what comes up so this is a cornucopia of wonderful content uh one of the men associated with creating this cornucopia of wonderful content is my friend josh and this will be josh's last episode of the year of our lord 2023 so we will mourn him for the rest of this year but josh how are you bud Do, doing well just uh yeah taking time off for the holidays and s- the schedule doesn't allow me to uh record so um not, i'm not schlepping stuff across the country to uh to record with you guys so you'll have to carry on without soldier on as they say well i guess i'm the consistent presence here because we lost matt for a while so I'll, we'll keep the show soldiering though because matt and i are going to be schlepping our equipment into the other room to continue to <laughs> do this podcast over the break so expect some bonus episodes but matt how are you feeling about life right now and about these bonus episodes we're gonna do oh i, I was looking at the uh, the list here and there's um there's some good surprises in here lots of stuff i don't know mm-hmm. and uh some really big like one blast from the past in particular which um i am excited to uh to get into so looking forward to that we'll miss josh but uh, he's just got the travel bug, man. He's going all yeah. over the place these days. And uh, good on you, Josh. That's I hope to live that life one one day again. You will. You will. You you made up for it in your time in, in grad school, leaving for the whole summer. I did. I had that was yes. I I, I did. Uh, I did enjoy that time for sure. Yeah. Are... Matt spent a lot of time in Thailand, is what you told me. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in mud mud pits and mud pits and he... yeah excursions yep what about so you John? We had, how are you doing i'm doing great and i i this week was an excursion for me with all of <laughs> really? these albums and these yeah. singles yeah uh you want to run i i have a lot to say about this week and i'm excited to talk about it but let's let the listeners hear 
what we're covering this week. So Matt, you want to take the albums, run them down? Yeah, so we're going to start things off with Jodeci with Forever My Lady, followed up by Temple of the Dogs, self-titled Temple of the Dog. And then we're going to hit up some De La Soul again with De La Soul is Dead and rounding things out with My Bloody Valentine's Loveless. All of these albums coming from 1991. And this also represents the last episode of albums from 1991 because we're going to Next time we get to a proper episode will be in 1992. So we're, we're getting there, fellas, slowly but surely. We're moving up the uh, the 90s. Wow. Who would have thought we'd get to 1992 when we started this podcast, guys? Unbelievable. The year I started high school. Wow. <laughs> How about uh-huh. that? So, uh, all right. And let's just go right into the singles. I know we in the past we've run them down, but I kind of like when we just jump cannonball style into the pool. And continuing a trend we've had before. I'm going to let Josh and Matt pick the first two, and then we'll close with the remaining three. So, Matt, what do you want to start with this week? Let's start with Celine Dion, guys. Mm. Where does my heart beat now? I mean, this is young Celine Dion, as Josh mentioned earlier. 22 years old she was when this Holy, really? Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she definitely looks it in the video. And uh, I didn't realize her. I guess I had no frame of context for her career. I'll mm-hmm. just jump in with go my, for it, my, Josh. My <laughs> and uh, so I, I just you know always figured it was around like the the um, Titanic time that she was like oh no you know, blew up. But I yeah I didn't realize she, she certainly was, blew up blew up even much, more than yeah. she you much know, like was, Mariah she tracked the whole nineties yeah. from like ninety till the end yeah. And I, I definitely recognized the song, but I I don't think I ever put it together that it was her or or something to that effect, um, or maybe thought it was later. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of shocking to hear hear it. I mean, she's like it seems like she's fully formed, right? Her voice is as good as it is later in the decade and and uh she's got the same power and ferocity, I guess, and and the confidence in her singing that she does later as well. And this is like a I mean, this this song is a really strong ballad and yeah, like Mariah Carey, she has like the super strong voice and it's just uh, it works. It, re- it works right from the get go. And I can I don't know. Kind of. Do you know? Was she like popular right out of the gate? Is this on her first album? Uh, yes. Yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> she I think sold lots was, and yeah. lots of albums across the 90s. Got yeah. It. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see why people would respond to her right away and, and stay with her throughout throughout her career. And, you know, if, if she is kind of a unique, uniquely singular talent in some way, she's kind of has this. You know, her voice is the standout. There's, I guess there's production behind the song, but it's really kind of like her front and center more than anything in her, her singing. Um, but but if, it wor- if it works for you, I think it really works for you. And I don't know, what do you, I, I like the song. Um, is it, I think it's, uh, I don't know, is it her best song? No, probably not. But but uh, it was like a welcome change of pace, I guess, from, from some of the other stuff this week. And uh, so I'm going to give it a thumbs up. So, yeah, this is what I would call early Celine Dion right here before she's doing like the the vocal gymnastics, I think, that I think of like later Mm. in the 90s for her. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a unusual relationship with Celine Dion. I she I I have no emotional attachment to anything she sings ever. She has an undeniably great voice, and the fact that she is so small and belts it out is there. She has 
pretty close to perfect pitch as well. So those are all things. But I don't know. There's always something that it just seems like script reading for me um, in a way when she's singing. And and what was really stood out to me was how much this sounded like a hair hair metal song, but in ballad form. Mm-hmm. Like this could this sounded like 80s heart. You know, this yeah. sounded like it could have been a song sung by any of the hair metal bands of the late 80s and the early 90s. It just so happens that Celine Dion's singing it. So to me, it was very much stylistically like that and also like a, a country song in many ways. It struck mm-hmm. me like the type of song that like a, a 90s or 2000s country singer would sing, like structurally along the way. Um, later, I've, I've always felt like Celine Dion's music kind of like almost like I always said, it's kind of like meatloaf. And then I think like meatloaf's producer actually does one of her (laughs) albums. So it's, it's very much like meatloaf at that point. And there's always these Gothic themes kind of in like Celine Dion's videos and stuff Mm -hmm. in this video. It is jarring to see this version of Celine Dion because throughout the rest of the decade as she's pretty much going through her twenties is what the rest of that decade is. She develops into more of like a look of like a classic, balladier kind of the same way it's funny because like mariah carey and her kind of do the same thing they both start with like curly stringy hair right and then they they rechase their look it's just celine dion's look continues to get more like adult contemporary i guess as the decade goes on where Mm. mariah stays adult contemporary and then it goes i guess into more like modern urban i guess would be like what her look goes to so i do find they're very interesting fellow travelers in that they both broke out in 1990 really young. I think Mariah Carey might have been 21, right, when her debut came out. And and this one was Celine Dion's English language debut at 22. Um, I put this song in the middle. It's fine, but I processed it like a hair ballad. Um, but her voice is undeniable. I actually think her voice might be better here um, in terms of appeal for me than some of what she did later where I just think of her basically just like I said, sort of like vocal tricks, right? Where it becomes even a little bit more sterile for my taste. So thumbs in the middle for me on this one. Yeah, just a couple pieces of information there. So Celine Dion was born in 1968 and Mariah Carey in 69. So Celine Dion's one year older. Yes, I got Um, it right. Okay. She's the 16th highest selling artist of all time, selling over 144 million certified album sales. That doesn't um, surprise me at all. Just ahead of AC, ACDC and right behind the Eagles. Hmm. Um, and both Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, along with Taylor Swift and Beyonce, they've all sold more than her. So um, that's kind of... And then Madonna's outsold all of those. Um, and then <laughs> I was like trying to find out what genre this is considered because my my take is if this is your thing, like if you like ballads <laughs> right. like, like this, um, you know, kind of like a pop ballad, um, I didn't adult process. contemporary ballad would be what I would perhaps I'm assessment. looking here it says pop R&B chanson this is a, is a genre R- R&B are we calling this R&B no. that's what Wikipedia is calling her as a general okay. genre that she's umbrella soft rock and gospel is what they have listed her as I don't but basically I can just say if you're a fan of this type of thing it's hard to find an artist that's doing it as well as Celine Dion. Like she kind of like, I, th- I feel like Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston, um, Madonna, Taylor Swift, like all these other, you know, female vocalists, 
you know, they kind of, they, they branch out more into dance into like yeah. dance type music and Celine Dion doesn't, I, I mean, I'm not terribly familiar with her catalog, but I certainly know a lot of singles and songs well, that have been on the radio. Yeah. She's a standard yeah. singer kind of yes. in some ways. There yeah. you go. Right. So it's, she's more like that. So and she's very earnest too. I never get the sense that she's having like fun. <laughs> no, she's like thumps her chest, her, her yeah. chest. When well, that's she's why singing, I said it's like you know? sterile kind yeah. of, because it's yeah, like, yeah. it's, it's like, I am here to sing this song. You know what I mean? And I'm <laughs> yes. going to sing it. You will listen and enjoy. Yeah. Yes. But, um, but if you like this stuff, man, this is your artist because she is just, her voice is like you guys said, it's undeniable. It's it, like, yeah, she's about, cause she's born in 68. Is this 1990, John? Is that what you it said? Is, 20, yep. 20. Mm -hmm. Okay. She, she, yeah. She's 22 and holy crap. Right. Um, it's, this to me is also kind of one of those it's one of those songs it's 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 no surprise that something like this is tremendously popular because it does have that kind of and I'm going to say this it, it's it's it sounds kind of disparaging but it's it's I'm not trying to make it so but it is kind of a little bit lowest common denominator stuff here it's mm -hmm. it's pretty this is a kind of a universal type of type of music it's it's definitely not offensive or anything like that it's it's got a great melody it's got you know this bombastic boy you know uh, chorus and um and it's and it's yeah it's not something that i gravitate towards or i'm like oh let me listen to some more of that in adult contemporary you know uh standards which is funny because you uh, love hair ballads and to me this yeah so but that's kind of like, like yeah well uh, having said that i still like the song you know what i mean and i don't I, and I, general ballads I like too, and hair metal is kind of like a you know it's it's there's like a nostalgic thing in there for me as well. Um, so uh, yeah, so I, I I'm totally fine with this song. I don't know if I would say I want to put this in a buzz bin, but um, but I did enjoy it, and I think you know I I'm definitely I would say I'm more than mid on it because it's you know it's um yeah it's it's very powerful. She sounds great. It's got a very catchy hook, and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I found myself getting into it a little bit. So I, I would be a thumbs up on it. It reminds me of a song you'd put in in a movie score or like to end the, in the credits roll all or something. Of, like, all of Celine Dion's yeah. songs. Like the, that's, yeah. And like she has the Titanic song. Yeah. She has the song from that Michelle Pfeiffer movie, Up Close and Personal. She has that, like it's a lot of her songs end up in yeah. movies because yes. that's that cinematic sort of feel so you're a thousand percent right josh and it, all the way down to a lot of her songs end up in movies so it's it is accurate i mm -hmm. didn't realize she was in eurovision also in 1989 for switzerland oh i did so not know that oh interesting that's where she Who'd she represent france switzerland how she's canadian isn't she french canadian <laughs> she's canadian yes works. yeah is it like how soccer players can represent countries <laughs> yeah. they've never lived in? Is that kind of like yeah, how that works? Yeah, that's a good question. Maybe she's got like a great-grandparent or something that's Swiss, and it's like, yeah. oh, that accounts. That seems you know. a little inauthentic. Dubious. I, even though this song was very mid for me, I will say that I listened to all these songs multiple times, and the second song, I was in the car, and my goal was to try to sing like Celine Dion in the song. <laughs> oh, God. So yeah. I was very how'd that, how'd that work out for you? I mean, no one can hit those high <laughs> notes, but I was just seeing how much of this song I could sing reasonably on tune, and it does give you an appre appreciation oh, yeah. for you're, you're going, but then she has those, you know, the thing with Celine Dion is she has those crazy runs, like mid like mid verse where it's kind of like you've got it and stuff like the one that came to mind that just sneaks up is like when she does that thing where it's like with only hand just do the night you know like and it's like the thing and you're like jesus christ like how the hell did she get like 
up that high, you know, from just mm-hmm. like, you know, standard, like, you know, where did my heart beat? And you know, she's there and then suddenly it goes up and down and you're like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. so it does make you really appreciate like her vocal runs, which I think is the hallmark of like a Celine Dion song. She just keeps building until like she explodes in those runs at the end. It's kind of like early in Mariah Carey's career with the whistle register where it's like, when's it coming? Oh, there it is. You know? Mm, so. Yeah. Yeah, she oh. did a residency in Vegas for a while, and she's on hiatus now. She was she's been on hiatus. Well, she has that since odd neurological condition, doesn't yeah. she? That's it's right. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, she so. the the, uh, the Eurovision was in Switzerland that year. She didn't represent Switzerland. Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> nice cleaning well, of that stuff. Once again, though, who did she time. represent? France. Uh, yeah, that's a good question because it doesn't show Canada or, <laughs> or France. Like, I guess Andorra or Monica, some yeah. French-speaking country. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. We okay. spent enough time on this song. Let's move on. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> Cutting it off. All right, Josh, by all means, you pick next. Let's, uh, speaking of hair metal, let's talk about Poison's Unskinny Bop. Bop, mm. bop. <laughs> 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 and, uh, yeah, obviously I recognize this song. And it just really, it's a, it's a fun song. The video's ridiculous. I think the, vi- the video really kind of shows what the band is about. I have really no relationship with Poison outside of knowing their singles. I know Matt probably is more familiar with them. Um, they seem to be having a good time. They they kind of remind me of like all the other hair metal bands that we've talked about. Um, it's a good song though. I thought it was it's it's a really catchy chorus. I enjoyed it, and I don't know why they're wearing like trench coats in the video. Some of them when they play the guitar, I think it's Vince Neil that's doing that. Where's that is not Vince Neil. That is Vince Neil's in a different band. Got, Oh really? ZC DeVille. Oh, you have ZC DeVille on guitar. Brett Michaels is the vocalist, Bobby doll on bass and Ricky rocket on drums. Josh, it must be CC DeVille. Then he looks like names are utterly ridiculous. A flasher. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, it's just struck me. This listening to this is that like, one year later nirvana comes out and kind of like completely shifts what people are interested in it seems like you know they don't even know it's coming and you sound like a vh1 behind the music there it was like (laughs) almost contractually obligated that everyone said that at some point oh really yeah yes i mean it i guess metal was popular but then nirvana came and everything changed you know well it's it's just rock and roll but of a, a different kind it seems more it seems more well nirvana seems more serious right quote unquote and this seems more heartfelt or not heartfelt, but fun-loving and light, and that's kind of where the shift is. Uh, that's that's what I see. But I'll, I'll give you my quick take on this song. It sucks. It's really, really <laughs> bad. There's nothing like this. Is so generic. It's generic yeah. even for hair metal. Like the guitar is basic. The vocals are basic. <laughs> the rhythm section is present, but uh, like nothing pops out of it. It's just horny boner met like metal you know like <laughs> we said lowest common denominator early like this is like lowest common denominator even within the hair metal it also really makes you appreciate like for all the jokes about something like kiss right and like how that's like boner music yeah everything kiss did in the 70s is like light years better than this and like it really does make you or like a band like van halen right which is like mm-hmm. just a you just can't even compare those bands that get tossed off as frivolous by some serious minded people to this, which deserves 
some of the score. It's just, there's nothing about this that appeal, even the stupid picture, like poison, flesh and blood, right? Like on the arm of somebody, it's just, everything's just so pristine and just, ugh. It's like the worst of pop and the worst of rock music. So this one, this one, down this one definitely is not in my, what was the distinction I had? Like I said, Eternal Jamma was my highest and yeah. like, you know, I, I have to straight trash, I think was what I put. This one is definitely straight trash for me personally. Yeah, this the, well, Poison is not. Yeah, you're right. They're not a serious band. They were all about having a good time, right? Nothing yeah. but a good time. That yeah. that is Poison. And they just they they loved the, the lifestyle, the, the, the girls, the, the drinking at the excess, everything. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, I was I big into Poison as a kid. Oh, hell yeah. Like that was <laughs> that was my hair metal band. Um, I had all three of their albums on tape, plus the live album on tape. Wow. But I stopped after that. They did have another album after flesh and blood um i did not i don't even know what that's called but i i kind of i did stop uh, with with poison um this is not my favorite poison song although i i really think that the uh the part where they're like every time i touch you you get hot like i'm not a fan of that like that seems like a very lazy week it's almost like we have this i kind of like the beginning i'm like oh yeah it's got a tasty bass line that josh john will love and apparently he doesn't know uh, we it's, have a, de- it's a different definition no, of tasty bass i know it's it's a prevalent bass line it's just it's bobby doll just like strumming on the same bass line but at for me it, there's enough of a groove there i'm like okay I'm, that that i'm bobbing my head um i do like the chorus uh and it's like you know for what it is it's 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 a fun song, but yeah, that part that that part there just seems like we kind of don't have an idea what to do here, so we're gonna do like a really lazy, weak, you know, kind of a, a, a bridge. It's not yeah. a bridge; it's just like the connecting this part to that part. But um, yeah, I I certainly have way more of an affinity for this stuff than than, than you do, John. Um, and I I by no means do I you know claim that it's like groundbreaking or amazing music but to me it's fun it, it certainly is like a nostalgic thing and uh you know there was a part of my life that i was really much into this and i still i still do connect with some of this stuff um and uh and i like listening to the hair, hair nation every now and then on xm and all that stuff and this is like you know poison was poison might might have been the hair band that in terms of popularity that they just like you know they seem to really hone in on the whole mtv the videos and uh the image and all that stuff um so they do get roundly criticized by like serious metalheads and 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 critics and stuff like that and maybe some maybe somewhat deservedly so but i've always found them to be fun and uh and 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 catchy and uh yeah man i saw them live last summer and uh they were okay um (laughs) but it was a fun show it was it was good they they certainly they sounded better than motley Crue. i'll give them that vince neal is not he is not uh, on point anymore, but uh, yeah, I figured this is not going to make John's buzz bin, so it wasn't. But I, I, I would, I, I'd listen to this again. Yeah, I, the, I, I was like Poison. The uh, probably the only two highlights of Poison's career, and one I haven't even seen, which would be the sex tape he made with Pamela Anderson, is uh, Rock Molly of Crow, Love. Right? Yeah. Is no, it's Brett Michaels from Poison. Oh, Definitely okay. had one too. She had a couple okay. of them. Yeah, but uh, Rock of Love was. Uh, probably the highlight for him also did you as i searched out this song Mm. i couldn't believe it when i saw this i looked down at the last track on this album 
and I saw God save the queen. And I'm like, there's no fucking way poison covered the sex pistols. Like they wouldn't have the balls to do that. And I listen and oh, it's just a horrendous, like Sid Vicious should have come over and stabbed Brett Michaels and, and the band for attempting that one. It just was different stuff like that. It just, I was like, it just further solidified. I, I actually was scandalized by that choice and the fact that it existed. So I don't know if you guys caught that, but um, I did not. No, I just, I think I just looked for the. I don't know if I ever got to that part of the tape. I, cause like I said, I, I kind of, you know, <laughs> what but, does that uh, say that they were like your favorite band for a while and you didn't finish their tape. But it was, that was the thing, man. Like I liked, I would buy albums based off of singles and like yeah. the singles I liked. And there was a couple of deep cuts, but yeah, my hair metal albums, oh, no, see, I listened aren't to that, yeah. aren't that, aren't that, they don't hold up as far as full albums. I mean, I would say yeah. some definitely pyromania does. I would throw, that was an album that I had skid Rose debut album that, that whole thing holds up. But most of the stuff that I had, it was like, I liked the singles. And then, you know, that was a, that was a kind of a, a trend that I went through. So um, I'm, I'm glad I don't do that anymore, but yeah, that was, that was a deal. Molly Cruz kind of an equivalent band, right? They're not like better than. Poison. Uh, the better, I'd say Motley they're better Cruz got slightly better. Cho- yeah. They're not good either, but they have a little bit better chops as musicians. I'd say this is just like, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I did not. John doesn't like them. I, Josh, I would, I would say that they are definitely, they have better chops. They have, they have some weaker stuff too, but, um, I, I did, I did listen to Dr. Feelgood when we were covering Metallica. Cause I was like, I'm going to listen to that album again, because the, the reason that Metallica got their producer for, for the black album was because of Dr. Feelgood. So yeah, right. I listened to that again and I was like, ah, this is a little bit better than what i remembered you know so uh i, I john's john's being a little harsh here i think it you also know, he's explains got the why bias. they mixed the drums up front because motley Crue <laughs> uh, had Tommy yeah but Lee, that's right? yeah so, it's yeah. whatever that's like yeah you're yeah but i i think it's i think it sounds fine I, I like that production and uh yeah but i would say probably even though i probably would say that i liked poison better back in the day motley Crue probably does have better chops mm. at when, when all is said and done but um but yeah teach their own all right. Nope. It all goes in the bin bag for me yeah, personally. No, no uh, buzzbin yet no. for us. Well, let's I... let's go in a completely different direction. Let's. Hmm. I don't know what I want. Let's do CNC Music Factory next. All right. Well, this Everybody... is going in my buzzbin because this song's awesome. Like this <laughs> has got the great beats. It's got the great vocals. It's got the rapping. It's got the horns. It's got the '90s, uh, you know, the, the '90s dance aesthetic. This a song was omnipresent. It's got that famous story that the that the weather girl sang it, but she wasn't in the video, nor Martha is she on Walsh. the album cover. Yeah, and so there was a whole thing about how she was mistreated and whatever. But, uh, but yeah, it's like as soon as this song comes on, and you know, the opening. It's like yeah, da, da, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't knock it. I can't knock it into it. It's it's catchy as hell. Get out and hell yeah, it's going in my buzz bin. It might be the one of like the most recognizable openings of a song ever because you like immediately know not only her singing that line, but then the the, the electronic dent. This is gonna make you sweat, by the way. Not everybody. It's not called everybody dance now, but uh, by CNC Music Factory. Good point, Josh. Yeah, I'm with you, Matt. This is like undeniable. I can't help but like Mm -hmm. the song. It's probably the best type of, you know, this is better than like Technotronic, which we talked about earlier in the season, and and some of those other kind of like, I I guess they're like Euro dance and. And uh, this is hmm. like the best one. This is America know. dance right here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So them combining or taking over America, taking over this genre. And yeah, I, I like, uh, 
What did they do things that make you go hmm also? Yes. yes. It's, okay. Yeah, that song works. It does great. say house and Euro dance on Wikipedia, <laughs> so great. yeah. Yeah. Uh I yeah. I think this is great uh for what it is. So thumbs up for me. I agree too. It's the it's the rare song that's played all the time that I don't begrudge <laughs> yeah. and hate. And I think what it comes down to is, man, if you can sing, like you can get me sixty percent of the way there in most yeah. cases. And the thing that stands out in this is the the rapping is not half bad for a song of this quality, like of this type of genre, because a lot of the rapping in the Eurodance stuff is almost yeah. comically like it's just like at that era, it was sort of, OK, this is a European guy rapping. You know, you just could always stand out and hear it. And you're mm. like, is this like is this a white guy rapping? Is this a guy who's from Jamaica, but like from <laughs> England as well? Is this a person of unknown racial origin rap but like it never was sort of like america rap you know what i mean it was this sort of i was like does this really count as rapping but this guy had pretty good flow for a rapper of this sense mm. and then the chorus is undeniable i mean it's basically a gospel chorus yeah. just blasting through this so that's what lifts it above your average uh your average i think like house music or euro dance uh it's just got these pieces i really like i like the hip-hop part i like the beat and i like the chorus and if you make a dance song and you like the chorus you like the beat and you like the the verses heading into it um and they're catchy enough it just kind of goes together so it's an easy song to put on it puts me in a good mood yeah i also like the tempo changes of this song it's always interesting to listen to a song in the way that we listen to things academically that you've heard a jillion times and then you start thinking of it differently because a lot of these mm -hmm. songs you listen to and I, I just don't like process it as a song. It's just, yeah. oh, that's going to make you sweat by CNC Music Factory. Got it. So it's almost like a reaction video on one of those YouTube things. Like, this kicks ass, this slaps, you know, and then it's that's the end of it. So this time I was trying to listen to song structure and the song structure of this song is really good, the, the alchemy, so to speak. So, yeah. This one is going to be the first track of the week, I think, that all of us are going to put in our buzz bin, because yeah. I love this one, too. This is sort of like The Power by Snap in some ways. It kind of follows, at least in the beginning, that same formula, but I guess mm -hmm. this is just better in some way. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just feel the way the chorus is sung is yeah. slightly different. Like I said, this feels almost like if you isolated the vocals on this, it would almost feel like a gospel song. Mm. I got it. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's, yeah, she's from the Weathermen, right? So yep. uh, um, famously, Weather, girl, weather girls. girls, I'm sorry, yeah. Weather Girls. Yeah, that's, uh, it's raining men. It's raining right? men, it yeah. Hit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. yeah, that was the whole, that was the whole story of her not, you know, getting credit or yes, being so in the video. Not cosmetically, and, right, like fit the. Yeah, she's not the or, image yeah. that MTV really, you know, the, the producers or whatever wanted to put on, put in the, uh, on the album or in the video or anything like that. Well, so, I, I think yeah. the guy that raps is not in the video also, right? <laughs> I saw. I don't think oh, it's he's really? not the guy. He's Jack, the guy that's he's got like he's. I, I just remember the guy from CNC Music Factory being cut. I may be wrong about that. I was looking at it when I was watching the video. Yeah, earlier. I think he. I think he's in the video. I think he's kind of. Okay. I don't know which the one. The guy he is. from the video kind which... of looks like a jacked up Luther Mahoney guy from Homicide. <laughs> from Homicide. Week, so. uh, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I like this one. Thumbs up. Heck yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you guys think of the crying scene by Aztec Camera? Aztec Camera, one of these bands I always hear about, and I've never heard a single track from them ever. So this was interesting <coughs> to listen to. What'd you think? I did. Well, go. You go ahead, Josh. I think it's your turn to to go first. Yeah, I liked it. I didn't know who they were, um, and it's like a really good 
I looked them up too. I guess they're Scottish. Uh, they, this was a pretty catchy song. Kind of reminded me of Replacements or maybe The Ocean Blue, who we talked about a little um, back in the 80s. And it's got this upbeat uh, feeling to it. It's, it's catchy. It's got a good guitar riff. Uh, I like the singer. And overall, it is pretty. Is pretty uh, it worked pretty well for me. Um, I didn't know anything by this band i feel like i heard the band name before but i think i also get them mixed up with camera obscura <laughs> and, uh, so so huh. just by name and and uh, aztec camera obscura yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um so yeah good good stuff it's i don't know what you guys think i don't really have a lot to say it's just like really good concise pop in the vein of almost like elvis costello but maybe like slightly down from that well, and I wrote down replacements too, Josh, because yeah. that was who I immediately thought of. The chorus reminded me of uh, a lot. First yeah. thing that stood out to me about this song is the lyrics of this song are really excellent. Um, it's a, it's a really, it's a really good. It's like a story song um, mm-hmm. that builds to it. But you, sometimes people, especially in nines, I feel like they try to become too profound sometimes and stuff. And that was not a trap this fell into. There were, it's like a really um, clever chorus. Uh, I, I it's like a double like a double meaning kind of like you only get one hit that's the beauty of it mm-hmm. what's the good in crying it's always been that way at the end of the day you got to keep on trying so it's both i w- couldn't figure out if it was about a relationship or if it was about them as a band talking about the concept of trying to write a hit so and it works both ways um yeah. which i which is what i liked about it you could kind of project onto it um, and I like the concept of, you know, I'm saving up my tears for the crying scene, like life is a movie and stuff like that. So I do want to shout out, I think the the voc- the um, lyrics are really cool here. I liked the shimmery sound of the band. I, it's got a little bit of those, you know, um, pop, uh, power pop type vibes a little bit. It's definitely 90s sounding, even though it's 1990. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a very pleasant song. It was a warm song. It was a song that after I listened to it, I felt good when I listened Mm -hmm. to it. And I was like, yes, this is the type of song that I would have listened to on like a college rock station back in the day. And I would have written down like the name of the band and what it was and put it on a a tape, Mm -hmm. right? This was like a perfect song to put on like a 15 song cassette tape where i put down songs like hey check this out and shared it with the friends so that was the vibe i got from this song so this one's going on my buzzbin too yeah i'm with you guys um i didn't know this band i didn't know this song this was totally new i kept thinking in my head when i heard this like the crying game and it's like no no it's a crying <laughs> scene right um but yeah totally i like i like the production very catchy very easy to 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 get into right away the great great chorus um, you know, kind of an upbeat. It's it's like a little bit of a jangle pop. There's some reverb on the guitar, so there's an echoey yeah. sound. Um, you know, and uh, it was just a very easy listen. I think you know it. It stuck stuck with me for a little while afterwards, and that was an okay. That was a good thing yeah. because it's just a good chorus. And uh, it's certainly if going by that standard that John you've put out before, does it make me want to listen to the rest of the album and see what it's yeah. about? Heck yeah, it does. So it would go in my buzz bin for sure as well. Yeah, agreed. I agree with you, Matt. It did make me want to listen to the rest of the album. In fact, I checked out a couple other songs on the album just because I like this one. Mm. And do so. they hold? Are they as good as? Yeah, they're good. They're pretty yeah. solid. There's yes. one song on the album that actually has more plays than this one, even though this one was considered the hit. And it's a song mm. called "Good Morning Britain," and it's got way more plays than anything else. So that usually is a sign that it was used in some sort of <laughs> right. modern 
pop yeah. culture. So Movie I don't or know TV what it was show used or something. In, but Good or, Morning yeah. Britain was. I looked. I'm like, was this a single? It was, but the crying scene was considered their for their big single off of this. So, hmm. yeah, it has to have been in something. So yeah, so but, thumb, yeah, it was pretty good. Thumbs up from all three of us for this one as well. Yeah. Nice. Um, and that takes us to our very last song of the week, which is a, a video I can remember watching on MTV <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. It's Love by King's X. And I hadn't seen it in probably close to 30 years, but I remembered, I said, I remember this had a really strange video. And I went back and watched it this week. And sure enough, it has a really strange video that I, I didn't remember what it was, but I, the strange thing definitely held up. Now, with that being said, it's Love by King's X is the song we're talking about. Uh, this is a cool song. Um, I always love the like dirty guitar riff on this song. And yeah. um, it's an interesting mix of that dirty guitar riff with vocals that I, I don't. It's an interesting compliment, isn't it, guys? Guys like the vocals with yeah. how the guitar is. Um, it's got a little bit of a vibe like a band like Helmet has where there's this you know, aggressive guitar. And then the person is sort of singing, not monotone, but like, uh, like sort of even, right. Yep. And occasionally spiking the voice up, you know, when it's love that holds us all together, you know, it, it doesn't go up down all that much. Um, and so it kind of comes at you a little bit like a, like a buzzsaw sound. There's a hummingness to this song, but it works for me. Um, it's got a little bit, it's a little bit metal. It's a little bit punk. It's hard to define like what genre this it's a little yeah. bit alternative rock in the, in the most nebulous sense. Um, and I'm, I'm probably not doing as good a job describing this. Sometimes, you know, we always say like, I'm not doing a good job describing somebody else, take it over and describe the words. Mm -hmm. So I'll see if you guys can put into words what I'm trying to say, but I will end with the fact that I think this one goes in my buzzbin. I like this one. I'm not as high on it as you are, but I see what you're saying. It it struck me as like kind of a like hippie-ish crossed with like grunge. I feel like the guitar sound in it is like a grunge riff or something. There's such a distinct, I'm picking up this like distinct grunge sound now, the more that we listen to these albums. And it's that coupled over with like a more lighthearted uh, type of like, I don't know, Blind Melon or something. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, and the video is super weird. <laughs> it's like them superimposed on like, well, in a plane, first of all, and then they land in like a mountainside and and play out in the mountainside and it it looks so fake. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but or maybe that's just the technology at the time, but um, th it didn't work as well for me. I guess because, especially compared to like Aztec camera, the, the riff and the, the chorus didn't stay in my head. Um, the way the Aztec camera was, although, you know, to be fair, they're kind of different sounding songs, but yeah, I guess this would be firmly in the alt rock category. And, um, I did like the harmonies that they had it sounded like more, they had more than one singer singing and just kind of a band that I knew nothing about and, uh, had never heard of before. And I had not heard this song. So yeah, I give it I, a mild thumbs up, but not in my buzzbin this time. I, yeah. I kept saying it's like a sound garden song with, I, un known correlation of vocals <laughs> so yeah. Like, yeah 
Yeah, this this song confused me. I, I really <laughs> had trouble figuring out like what, because yes, to a lot of things that you guys are saying, it, yeah, it's a little of this, it's a little of that. There's yeah. definitely a grunge slash metal kind of component to it. Um, the harmonies are interesting. Like I, I think I like the verses better than the chorus, although the chorus is more interesting than the verses perhaps, just because it does that weird, It's there's a weird syncopation and kind of rhythm that's going on with the guitars and the drums that takes it in a direction that you're not really expecting. Um, I think I liked it a little bit more as I listened to it the second and third times, as opposed to the first time I was like, I don't know if this is working. And I was kind of getting a little bit of a generic 90s, you know, alt rock vibe yeah. to this as well. Mm -hmm. Though I think it's better than alt uh, generic '90s alt rock at the you know, at the same time. But there's it's it's it is delving a little bit into that for me. Um, so it just it seemed it's another it's one of those songs that for me I I, I was having trouble finding its place and you know where it, where it lands. And I, I ordinarily like I I appreciate the fact that they're you know incorporating a bunch of things all in at once it's just that sometimes it doesn't totally work for me i wouldn't say i dislike the song but it's 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 not enough for me to put it in a buzz bin and be like oh i want to or or even to you know going back to what we were just talking about wanting to listen to the rest of the album what else is going on here um because i think while it is interesting it's it's it does have a little bit of a I don't know, maybe I would be curious to listen to other stuff just to see what else is going on, but it it's it's still not it's still not rising to that level for me. I think I was yeah. just a little bit just a tad confused and you know not not totally into it because it was too a little disjointed for me. It's but like, still decent. It's still, you know, an interesting song. Yeah, if it's like two parts of whatever they're trying to blend together, it's like neither part was strong enough to like make me to get to lift it up or something i do i, I do like i think the heart for me it's the heart i like the harmonies i think that mm -hmm. that's kind of that it's it's it, it does it's a song that's got these layered pop like lush harmonies but with music behind it that doesn't seem to necessarily like that's not the type type of, of sound that you usually hear musically with harmonies yeah. like that that's it, it seems like a much more of a pop oriented harmony right you know vocal style than um than what the music is playing so so but it's I, still interesting yeah. i do love that drop tone guitar before mm. the chorus comes in that like like that i love that like bulldozer guitar sound yeah. that uh is in there as well so and we haven't listened to a lot of albums that have that sludge bulldozer yeah. sound as i call it and yep. that is going to be something that starts to show up a lot more right. in both grunge and sludge core and you know stuff that we're going to be covering i think of that sound as being a very 1990 through like 1993 1994 sound so mm -hmm. this is the first time i was like ooh, we got a little sludge yeah. here i like it so yeah. um and that is a um that hits my ears well so i do want to shout mm -hmm. that out but yeah i think i might have been a little higher on this one than you guys i would have yeah. put this in my buzz bin so uh, and quick cleaning of the stack. I think the reason that uh, Good Morning Britain by Aztec Camera was more of a listened song on Spotify, John, is because it also features Mick Jones from The Clash. Oh, okay. So people, you think, explored it because they, I think so. they're Clash fans? I think I think Mick Jones might have carried that a little. Might have, might have had a hand, at least, in, in carrying that song. So, so gotcha. just a guess. All right. Well, are you guys ready for some Jodeci, folks? I am. <laughs> I've been oh, riding the Jodeci wave all week. so. Oh, I, I know you have. So <laughs> uh, I think uh, if I remember correctly, I put Come and Talk to Me in the montage. And now you're going to listen to Forever My Lady. Forever, my lady. Ooh, yeah. It's like 
forever, my lady. I did write it uh, down this week, Josh, so that okay. I wouldn't screw it up. But I did have to, for a second, I had to remember which one I put which. I know. But I, yeah. I did get it right. So, uh, okay. Jodeci. <laughs> Yeah, you need some. Uh, this this is quite the number here, John. So you've got Jodeci. What is, what, for, go ahead and tell me the numbers first. Yeah, Forever My that. Lady by Jodeci comes in at number ten thousand four hundred and ninety on the night <laughs> in the nineteen nineties on best ever albums. Uh, number nine hundred and five in nineteen ninety one. Number sixty six thousand eight hundred and twenty of all time. It's their second highest rated album behind nineteen ninety three's Diary of a Mad Band. And mm-hmm. uh, they did not make Rolling Stones list, and Jodeci comes in at number seventeen thousand one hundred and eighty-four of overall artist rankings on Jeez. best ever all, albums. All music does not like R and B. I've come <laughs> best to ever albums or anything. Yeah. Best ever albums. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm at all music right now, and so we'll get a little bit into the bio here. But first, let's do. <laughs> I, I do want to share similarity score influenced by and all that good stuff. So hmm. influenced by. Guy, which was a band that Teddy Riley, he of the New Jack Swing Sound, was in, three-piece band. New Edition, I don't think surprising there. Mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye and Keith Sweat were influences. Contemporaries, R. Kelly, yikes. Aaliyah, <laughs> SWV, <laughs> TLC, En Vogue, Blackstreet, yep. Aaron Hall. We're going to be covering oh, every yeah. one of those people in this along the way. Followed by people such as Chris Brown. Shy, who we will be covering next. Oh, yeah. They of Too Close fame. Yes. Tyrese, Silk, and H-Town. Do you guys remember H-Town's big I hit? No, I don't. I do. Knocking the Boots, which was awesome. <laughs> so that's there. Moods and themes of the album for this one. Love. Dramatic, <laughs> hedonistic, passionate, yearning, sexual, sleazy, soothing, swaggering and uncompromising <laughs> artist themes romantic evening partying seduction romance and in love i love it sleazy so. seems a bit seems <laughs> that seems a bit much i don't know if i would agree with that so jodeci four piece group i know some people think they're just casey and jojo because they broke off later in the decade no 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 jodeci is two different groups of brothers uh-huh. you have the haley brothers KC and JoJo are their uh, sort of names in Jodeci, Mm -hmm. but their real names are Joel Haley, that's JoJo, and Cedric Haley, that's KC. And you also have the uh, DeGrate brothers, Dalvin and Donald, and Donald goes by Devante Swing is his (laughs) name in it, which is an awesome R&B name. So the brothers uh, were all raised in the Pentecostal church, uh, the two brothers did not know each other growing up, but did sing sort of on sort of the gospel circuit as teenagers singing together. Okay. Uh, uh, Casey ends up dating uh, the um, uh, like an ex-girlfriend of uh, one of the other brothers, in this case, Mr. Dalvin. Uh, uh, and kind of like, there's some heat with that, but they also sort of click and bond with i'm not doing a very good job it's a long story short the brothers all come together and are like we should make a group together and said group becomes jodeci which is sort of a merging of all of their various names it's not clean how it all comes together you've got jojo and kc so right that's the joe and the c and then in the middle you got the de because you've got um the brothers uh last names degree right so like you've got that so i think that's how it all comes together so uh, 
I think origin-wise, uh, Devante Swing and JoJo are the first two to start the band, and they, and they invite in the others. Devante Swing has his own sort of interesting thing. He runs away at 16 from his religious family. He goes to uh, Prince's uh, you know, Paisley Park area, <laughs> trying to get a sort of a job or sing for him and be a part of it, and uh, it does not working out for him, but it does motivate him to return to Charlotte, North Carolina and work on his recording and singing, which Jojo is the recorder. Um, they, they're going to go as a two piece to shop this demo and they do not end up doing that because they add Casey and Dalvin to the band to tag along and they become a four piece that does a demo recording of ready for this guys. 29 songs they end up producing (laughs) they take it to the offices of uptown this is like such an interesting story on so many friends they take it to the offices of uptown entertainment they're about to get rejected but then heavy d who i guess is just there overhears the tape and says i think this is good and he personally goes to uptown's president a guy by the name of andre harrell and says i think you'll like this harrell does like it and jodeci signed a recording contract right then uh, when they were at uh, Uptown Records, who they later would have a pretty acrimonious falling out with, but at this time they get signed to the group, and they are tasked, while they're there, um, they are, I thought this was really interesting, there was an intern at Uptown who was assigned to them and, and tasked with kind of coming up of, with a look to sell them, and that look ended up being the Timbaland boots, the leather, mm-hmm. all the different stuff that you think of when you think of Jodeci, if you know baggy. what they They're are. They're all the, the backwards caps, the open yeah. jackets. Yeah, like kind of like what what uh, Poit, uh, Belba DeVoe did in that video. That's kind of their look too. A right? little bit, but this is even more. Like I just think of them in like all black, right? Like mm-hmm. all black with Timbaland boots is kind of what I think. Oh of. yeah, like the and, cover of the album, I guess. Correct. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. And that intern who was assigned to them, and this was one of his first tasks at Uptown, was one. Sean P. Diddy Combs. So he was there um, doing that. Uh, And this is their first album. So the story really does go pretty quick because they signed that recording contract in 1990. And this is released in uh, May of 1991. And the single Come and Talk to Me is released first and becomes gold. And this album goes on to sell 3 million copies, guys. Um, They released their second album diary of a mad band uh they're pretty pissed because they don't feel like they're being treated well with uptown and in something i never knew but that was fascinating at that point after their second album they thought about leaving uptown for death row records which i had no idea about but they ended up not doing that diary of a mad band goes double platinum uh at this point both Devante and kc have some some legal troubles, some some guns, some sexual assault charges. Jeez. There's there's a robbery where $160,000 of jewelry and clothes are there. And uh, basically, Devante's held uh, with guns in the mouth and the back of the head by these robbers um, who oh, are wow. caught. Uh, shortly afterward, Jodeci does their last album for as a group. Uh, it's called, I, I love the name of this album, The Show, The After Party, and The Hotel is the one in July 1995. <laughs> Uh, they're working with Al Green, and they do something called the Swing Mob Collective, and the Swing Mob Collective is in, in some way or another, either producers created by it, or songwriters, or beats, or different stuff. The following people were in some way or another influenced or worked with directly with people from the Swing Mob Collective. Ready for this, guys? Missy Elliott, Timbaland, 
Genuine, Aaliyah, Tweet, and Sista. So that's quite a bit of big hits Mm -hmm. later. Um, Jodeci breaks off. Casey and JoJo uh, release, I think, four albums together as a pair of brothers. And then uh, what ends up happening is 2014... Uh, Timbaland says that he's working with them on new material for a group and they as a group come together and they release an album called The Past, The Present, and The Future. And there you go. So I think from time to time they are still doing sort of that thriving 90s and 2000s R&B circuit that you will, on the Northeast Corridor, you will often see advertised on billboards for nearly every casino in the area. (laughs) That's like, you'll see next genuine you know bow wow jodeci silk there's just different people and stuff like shy you know all these different people um along the way so that's a little bit of an overlay of uh jodeci right there to give you an idea i've been fascinated all week matt to think what you're gonna think of this album because you (laughs) often say like your take of r&b is like you know yeah baby sex jams and i'm like we haven't really listened to any of that type of r&b yet well, we are officially at that type of R&B right now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there are some definite sex jams on, on here. Um, so I uh, didn't know any of this. I knew Jodeci. Actually, I was like, when you were like, oh, we're doing Jodeci. I'm like, is that a person? Is that a one person? Or is that like a bad? I didn't oh, even know Lord. that. So that's how bad I am. Dear Lord. With this. But I, hey, I'm not hiding anything. I, you know, there's everybody's got their... Uh, their blind spots and this is certainly certainly one for me so uh i uh in the beginning when i first listened to this i was like oh boy <laughs> it's like i like all these because it's like one ballad after another and it's basically the album split up in half right you've got like five mm-hmm. five slow ballads and then and then <laughs> in between with with the interlude five five three nasty yes. which made me laugh yeah. that's a funny yeah. little interlude there then they kick it into higher gear and they do yeah. more of the upbeat R&B, um, New Jack Swing, quasi New Jack Swing, yeah. I would say. Oh, it's, there's it's, definitely New Jack Swing okay. on this, for sure. I, I, mm-hmm. t- you see, to me, I wasn't, I, 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 and I don't know exactly what the lifespan of New Jack Swing is and when it, like, I, I think its heyday is kind of maybe past us at this point in time, perhaps. No, it's still like kicking it, no? until, like, 93, 94. Okay, all right. Yeah. Well, um, so, and that tends to be the stuff that I, I gravitate towards more. So I was, I was happy to hear it pick up um you know that first listen because i really thought i was like holy crap it's just going to be all ballads like this and it's it's <laughs> He's like be... let me get past all these gigantic hits and get to the shit i want to listen <laughs> yeah to. right exactly so yeah and i don't i don't i'm sure that with those those were all the hits with the with the slow jams john oh uh, yeah Is man that, come yeah. and talk to me and forever yeah. my lady we're oh i'm looking at right tracks. here oh yeah they're yeah. all yeah yep okay um okay well gotta love was that was the first single but anyway um so i was happy to see that split up and and and, uh and and to have the 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 fast stuff so um the more i listened to this the more i actually did like it um i thought that um even the slow jam like i got i got more into those as the week went on and um i think it's it it certainly is a barrier because it's not something that i go to but once you know i kind of like let it let it happen and you know give it more of a shot. There are some, there's definitely, I saw the, the value in it, if you will. Um, I like the vocals. I like the background vocals. I think that that's, that like the harmonies are really good. And certainly these guys, they, you know, they, I don't know who's the, if there's a main singer, like I know with Belle Biv DeVoe, it was- um, KC takes the lead a lot. 
he's okay, the, Casey the real did. high voice, like the yearning, like, ah! yeah, you know, that, that, yeah. that's Casey. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like, that's like, I remember Ronnie Bell and Belle Bibdo was kind of more of the, the, the lead Believe singer. That. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, I liked that. I liked the background and I thought that there was some like stay had a really cool, there were some cool melodic things that were happening in there as well. There was like this, like this, there, there. I don't know exactly what the terminology is, but it seems like that the that the vocals, that the background vocals, go a little bit like a half step lower than what you think that they would. So it kind of takes you in a little bit of a different direction. That adds a little bit more substance to it. So, um, so I, so, so there was some stuff like that peppered in here and there that I liked, and um, and a good mix. I probably would like it if it if it wasn't all slow and then all fast. I probably would have mixed it up a little bit more there, but that I suppose that's a small. Um, uh, you know, complaint. Um, but for 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 something that I wasn't, you know, uh, feeling or, or not do too familiar with, I would say, um, I definitely appreciated this more than I thought I might I might I I, I was going to. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see where else this goes because I feel like if I can, you know, it's almost like what we did with I, I found this a little bit with hardcore, also with um the ska stuff that we've covered that. I, I didn't dislike them nearly as much as I thought I was going to just like, it's like the biases that you have in your, in your head. Um, and I think part of that was because like, I learned, I think with ska, like I learned to, you know, hear different parts of ska that, that, um, I might not have been familiar with before and, um, and hardcore being something totally different than what I thought it was going to be. So there's certainly something to be said for not being fully, you know, versed in something or aware of what a sound is going to be and just having some sort of judgment ahead of time. So, uh, so I, I did like this. I, I, and, and it, it, I def, it definitely benefited, um, repeated listenings for me. Um, and, uh, I think that these guys, yeah, they seem super talented. They're the great, great voices and, uh, and good production too. That's the other thing too. Some great beats in here, some yeah. cool, uh, production, uh, techniques that are happening, little uh, sound effects and whatnot that complemented the music pretty well. So I'm thumbs up on this one, John. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to, to hear oh, some right. more R and B as we, as we go through this, uh, journey together. This is definitely the first thing that I think of as like definitively nineties R and B right yeah. here. There's other stuff we've covered that's. 90s are like you know johnny gill and stuff like that but this mm -hmm. is the first where i'm like all right matt's getting his first taste of like what i think of as like the 90s r&b sound yeah yeah like uh like like best ever albums you're underselling how good this album is Matt. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's uh this is exactly what i was looking for i'm glad we're like firmly in the 90s r&b uh mode now i love the combination of a like all of them singing that's like a big thing for me mm -hmm. you know a couple of weeks ago we talked about a high five and like that is like the low point of what i was looking for at this point um it, it just seems so weak compared to how this album sounds um so i like that all of them are singing and they can all carry their own you know they're, they're all in their different register or range and they all complement each other really well i like the 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 combination of you know the upbeat like party songs and like the slow jams and and then like kind of like the sexual slow jams versus like the the like more heartfelt love songs like about having there's the song um about having a baby uh, forever my lady which is you know about having a baby and a family and like 
being in love with your wife and mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. I thought that was pretty good. It's funny. It's a that very you, sincere song. Yeah. You know, and it yeah. works really well. It's funny, Matt, that you brought up how it was split because I didn't notice that for some reason, even though I guess it oh, kind of wow. like transitions oh, pretty wow, smoothly really? into it. And I was into it from the beginning. So I guess I just didn't like care really that there wasn't that thing. I feel like the, some of the songs like stay and come talk to me are pretty upbeat as far as ballads go so maybe that's why um i didn't Hmm. notice it as much um but yeah i I like the production too there's definitely one song that has like some it's funny that you brought up diddy because there is some part of a song that i feel like he reuses again with like notorious big or something like a sound or like i don't know it just sounded really i mean he made his whole career off like 70s and 80s soul so and and obviously that was influences here too he's just reusing it but yeah the group can like do both really well and i think that's ultimately what i responded to um i like how kind of fun it is you know my phone about not being able to get into a relationship hasn't has humor to it uh um gotta love and play thing on the backside are also like really fun and you know they they they're like tongue-in-cheek but i i think they're they push the envelope a little bit which i like too in terms of um sex and I don't know. I think the album is just strong overall, and it, it kind of like gave me what I was looking for in in '90s R&B. So it's a thumbs up for me. It may be a little long, uh, in some at some points, but overall, I think it's it's pretty great. So yeah, thumbs up. Oh yeah, this is the good stuff right here. This album's yeah. really really good. <laughs> and this album, I just I have listened to this album a lot in my life. I just there's so many memories I have of this. I can remember the first time I heard Jodeci. I was, believe it or not, I was at like a sports camp and there was a guy who drove the bus like with us and he would pump out the jams. And he, the first song he put on was, I will always remember, he put on Come and Talk to Me by Jodeci. He's like, I just remember him saying, oh shit, this is good stuff right here. And I remember him (laughs) singing along with it. And of course, when you sing along with Jodeci, you you are singing along with Jodeci, but let's be honest, who you're really singing along with is KC, and you're trying to do the KC vocal parts, so, you know, you're going like, you know, you know, now my baby is born healthy and strong, you know, like, stuff like that, and, you know, like, talk to me, talk to me, you know, that's all you're singing when you're doing, and so, like, Jodeci's, like, great sing-along you know, music mm-hmm. for me. Like I, I can sing the first three, the first three songs on this were all hits. I remember them all the time in my school and just ecosystem around on the radio. They were just in all the different stuff and they were played on both hip hop radio and they were played on like, I guess what used to be called urban radio, right? Or I guess black radio would be what it was, but that was music that was playing because I think we've talked in the past before. I'm not going to say that I'm, you know, some uber worldly person, but there was a fair amount of diversity where I grew up. So I was getting a lot of R and B and a lot of hip hop early in what was going on. I can remember the drill team at my school. And for those that don't know what a drill team is, it's a dance team, right? I can remember that their set they did at the teen arts festival. The first song was real love by Mary J. Blige, who later dated Casey. So just FYI right there, famously not all that happily. And then uh, (laughs) the second song they did was treat you which was track 11 on this, which is an awesome, like, New Jack swing. That is a good, like, I, that, was, that was one of my favorites. Yeah, that's great. Banger, as you'd say yeah. right there, along the way. I, I, like, the end of the album's pretty awesome. Treat You, X's We Share, and the hip-hop version of Cherish, those are all real good 
like up-tempo songs. I'm a fan of all of them, and they were sort of in the ecosystem too. I love the song Gotta Love too. That's one that used to play Mm -hmm. quite a bit. But really, I agree with you, Josh, that you look at this and you go, ooh, 57 minutes of an R&B album? I don't know if it needs to be that long. And maybe a little bit of it is just my fond memories of this and if you're not as fond it might run a little long for you but mm-hmm. it didn't feel long for me personally i do like I, I unlike you matt i like the fact that this feels like it's two sides to an album because mm-hmm. it's like you get into the you get into the yeah. r&b side and yeah. then right as you're like that's a lot in a row which happens sometimes with r&b albums it's like and now we're going to change it up quickly and do something different and jodeci's real good at like soulful r&b like tied to the church type R&B like they're good at like sensual sexual R&B they're good at like up tempo dance R&B they're good at like like hip hop elements where there's a merge yeah. of singing and hip hop and rap that's why later on you know famously they're on like how do you want it by Tupac which is about as good a blending of like rap and R&B as exists in the world right mm-hmm. like it's just it's a fantastic combo so I actually don't know if I'm trying to think if there's a better rap singing song. There's a lot of good ones, but I don't know if there's a better one than How Do You Want It. I feel like it's the best blend as you go along. But yeah, this one's an easy thumbs up for me. It's It's got all the things. It's got nostalgia uh, value for me. I think it's an objectively good album. It's the first album we've done that's like, okay, we got a 90s R&B yep. album, which is... This and the other thing that stood out to me, guys, is like this music doesn't exist anymore, which is mm. just baffling to me because <laughs> I'm like, why aren't people producing music like this? And I don't mean to sound like an old head, but I'm like, you can't tell me that this music wouldn't be popular. Wouldn't right connect now. with younger people. Today. It really yeah. would. It's just yeah. it's so easy to see how you could do a modern, updated yeah. version of this. It, it this type of music feels of the past but also of the present and it should be of the future and the now as well it's just like evergreen and i just i don't understand why we're not making music like this anymore mm. so mm. that my editorial yeah, what are, comment what are these what are these artists doing these black artists that can sing i don't know it's, it's i mean they're like... still selling out shit tons of albums like it's places in their 50s and 60s right and like yeah. the people that listen to this are going and then their kids are going with their parents and you know what I'm saying? So you no, but you're asking things. about mo- yeah. more modern artists today, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah man. Like, pick what, up, yeah, the, pick it, up some damn albums. Like 20 and, like, year olds and stuff. Like, yeah. Start with some Marvin Gaye all, and some 70s all... soul and then listen yeah. to this 80s and 90s R&B and start making some damn albums. There are some people, in fairness, like Frank Oceans and stuff that are really, really good. But yeah. there's not as many as there should be, I guess is what I'm getting at. So. Well, and I like too, like, I, I don't know, I don't listen to a lot of modern, you know, pop music or anything like that. So, but I, it, I, it, when I do hear stuff, it does seem it's very auto-tune or very synthetic vocals, right. which is kind of a unique thing, I think, in recent years. You know, we always talk about synthetic instruments and production and stuff like that. But vocals never really, I, I never really characterized much about vocals being synthetic until something like auto-tunes came around and, and it did take off. Like, that seems to be a kind of almost like a rite of passage for a lot of well because you don't need to know how to sing let's be yeah not every human being can sing like jodeci (laughs) like they grew up in the church but still and but in today's population you know there's plenty of people that still have pipes you know it's not like they stopped learning how to sing so there's people out there that can do it it's just you're right josh like where are the people that can really belt out and sing 
what's the outlet for that? You know, where is that kind of come in? Do people not want to hear that anymore? You know, I'd say it's, it's, it's like, really, it's the death of like R and B as a genre. We talk a lot about like Like rock rock. being a dead genre, but R and B is also kind of a dead genre right now. And it's so weird because if you went to somebody in like 1976 and you're like, the genres of rock and R&B soul are going to be dead genres. They'd be like, "You're what are you talking yeah. about, Time Traveler? Yeah. This can't happen. These are two of, along with pop music, these are the two staple genres, you know? Like, they're, you know, they're they're not going anywhere. And now they're yeah. basically like DOA almost, which is just crazy to think about. So, mm-hmm. Well, even like, uh, you know, someone like Cisco at the end of the decade is like a, a kind mm-hmm. of... A pr- follows in this oh line. he's basically doing kc's yeah. stick and i mean drew <laughs> right. hill was yeah. like the evolution of jodeci let's yeah, exactly. i mean yep. yeah it's kind of like this it's, some people would say well this is the evolution of new edition i don't know i think this has some elements of that but i think it's its own thing as well mm-hmm. you know like they their influences aren't just the new they're a group yes but they they're a definitively adult group in a way mm. like new edition was not right so i think and, you know, it's also interesting, we're going to say Boys to Men is out at the same time of this, too, which is like the anima yeah. group for Jodeci, right? They're like yep. the wholesome matching outfits, you mm-hmm. know, take home to your mother, and then Jodeci's sort of like the bad boys, right? But, yep. yeah. Nice. So, so we yeah. all all three liked it, though, it uh, sounds like. Mm-hmm. So. I'm happy that Matt liked this album, I'm not going to lie. Me too. Because I, sure I was, I was like, man, if I, if, I, if I don't like this, then I know we're going to be covering a lot more. I'm like, I'm in for it. So, no, but I'm actually, I am looking forward to having my mind expanded uh, in, a, in a genre that I'm really not terribly familiar did with. Did you guys so. play this for your special someones? <laughs> I did I Did, did they respond the viscerally? No. Uh, I Carnally. did not. No. I, mm. <laughs> oh boy, John. Yes. We got to find you somebody. Oh yeah. There we go. So, all right. I'm going to turn it over. I think it's Josh, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Temple of the Dog, uh, self-titled album in the opening montage, you heard Hunger Strike, and now you're going to hear Pushing Forward Back. What are the stats on uh, Temple Temple of the Dog? Dog. Much, much more well-regarded best ever (laughs) albums than Jodeci. Uh, Their self-titled album comes in. Their one album? (laughs) (laughs) Comes in at number 164 in uh, in the 1990s on best ever albums. Number 16 in 1991. Um, Number 875 of all time. It's their highest album and only album on best ever albums. Uh, This also did not make Rolling Stone's list. But Temple of the Dog... That, just that one album that catapulted them all the way to 805 of all time. Um, wow. So that's all it took one album for number to, to crack the top, almost crack the top 800 of all time in bands. All right. Well, I'm sure you guys were amused about me learning about this band in real time as I listened. That was awesome. Those texts. Yeah. I, that and the fact that there's another super group just floating around uh, yeah, that you I had no them. idea about. Either. I did yeah. read about them too. If so we had, if we had a Twitter surprised. feed still, I say we should have, we should have pasted that to, that text feed on the uh, on the Twitter. There feed are there. times when I do wish we had an outlet like that because there's a lot of funny things to go on behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, as you guys said, it's their only album, and they are a super group formed in Seattle, Washington, in 1990. It was conceived of by Chris Cornell. 
personnel of Soundgarden as a tribute to his friend Andrew Wood, the former lead singer of Malfunction and Mother Love Bone, after Andrew died uh, March 19, 1990 of a heroin overdose. Um, the other members of this band are Stone Gossard on rhythm guitar, Jeff Ament on bass, and both of them are former members of Mother Love Bone. And then obviously go on to uh, to be in Pearl Jam. Mike McCready's on lead guitar, later of Pearl Jam, and Matt Cameron is on drums of Soundgarden and later Pearl Jam. <laughs> Eddie Vedder also appears mm-hmm. as a guest on lead and backing vocals. So basically this band it's is Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam with and Chris Cornell. Cornell the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they are grunge or alternative rock related artists are basically any grunge band that we talk about or will cover along with Screaming Trees, Stone Temple Pilots, L7 and Green River. Uh, no singles for this album uh, initially, although Hunger Strike became a single later. And uh, Cornell actually thought it was a stupid idea uh, when they first made this album uh, to to release a single. The album uh, later reached number five on the Billboard 200, uh, September 1992, uh, more than a year later after it came out. Uh, Wood was Andrew Wood was Cornell's roommate, and he died the day. Uh, Cornell got back from touring with Soundgarden. He then went on to tour in Europe and started writing songs in tribute to his friend. Uh, they named themselves Temple of the Dog in a reference to a line in a Mother Love Bone song, uh, Man of Golden Words. A demo of the song they were considering uh, became a song for two bands recorded as Footsteps by Pearl Jam and Times of Trouble by Temple of the Dog. The album was recorded in 15 days and produced by the band along with Rick Parishar. Um, Eddie Vedder actually flew up from San Diego to audition for Mookie Blaylock and was at the rehearsals. So that kind of coincides with what Matt was talking about when we, we talked about 10 uh, in Pearl Jam. And regarding the song Hunger Strike, Cornell later said he sang... Uh, in uh, regarding like Eddie Vedder coming on to sing the song, he said he sang half of the song that not even knowing that I'd wanted that part to be there. And he sang it exactly the way I was thinking about doing it just instinctively. And Vedder said that, quote, this was the first time I heard myself on a real record. It could be one of my favorite songs that I've ever been on, or at least the most meaningful. Um, the album received positive reviews on release, but uh, had delayed success in the summer of 92. More than a year after release, the record label realized that they had essentially a collaboration between Soundgarden and Pearl Jam after Bad Motor Finger and 10 had become really popular. So A&M Records decided to reissue the album and promote Hunger Strike as a single with an accompanying music video. The album ended up being on one of the top 100 selling albums of 1992. They reformed and toured in 2016 without Vedder. Uh, to celebrate the 25th anniversary, but that was really the only tour they ever did. They played sporadically at times, kind of when one band or another was playing, they would play some of these songs, but not really ever like considered like a main kind of touring band. So, um, yeah, so that's that's all I got for that because, you know, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam have their own kind of thing. So a spinoff project, tribute, a tribute album, one act tribute album. And uh, what'd you guys think of, uh, of Mother, of Temple of the Dog. John, why, let's start with you. Let me start with me. Well, this is a really good album. It's <laughs> yeah. an album I haven't listened to in a long time. But uh, this album, it, you can tell, even if you didn't know, that it's part Soundgarden, part Pearl Jam. But it's mm-hmm. it's a lot Pearl Jam because all of the musicianship 
it sounds like Pearl Jam, the background music. And that's why it's so funny that Matt Cameron at the time, okay, there's two members of Soundgarden, there's three of Pearl Jam when it came out. But then, of course, Matt Cameron's been in Pearl Jam for now 23 years. So it's kind of like, okay, he sort of merges in with it too. But the thing that really stands out about this album is this is a showcase for Chris Cornell's vocals, man. It is in Soundgarden... um, his vocals are still there, but Soundgarden's heavy, right? So mm-hmm. you get you're getting the heaviness along with Chris Cornell's soaring vocals. And this you've got the full Chris Cornell experience, but the music behind it there there's exceptions, like especially the end of like Hunger Strike, where it's that like driving sound that sounds more like Soundgarden, right? That like, you know, that that's more of a Soundgarden sound than a mm-hmm. Pearl Jam sound, I'd say. But for most of this, there's more space. And there's more ability for Chris Cornell to float to the front of the sonic mix, which I've heard Chris Cornell in so many outlets now, you know, Audio Slave and Soundgarden and his solo work and then this. And my favorite Chris Cornell is always when he's just going for it, powerhouse vocal wise. And that is sort of the theme for him on this. Um, And as a result... It really holds up for me. Uh, I, I will go so far as to say, uh, I think I might like this better than I liked Bad Motor Finger um, as an album. Um, and I liked Bad Motor Finger, but there just were elements of this, the the interspersion of Chris Cornell as secondary frontman of like alter, alternate world Pearl Jam, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what this Chris Cornell version of it is. And I like alternate world Pearl Jam quite a bit. Um, the song lyrics are good. Um, sometimes grunge song lyrics, you're kind of like, what are we talking about here in in some of these songs? Uh, but this one was a little bit more linear. You could tell that Andy Wood meant a lot to Chris Cornell thematically on this album. Uh, he really pours his heart and soul into it. I know I'm focusing a lot on Chris Cornell, but he, the multiple times I listened to it, he really was the takeaway for me. Um, because what was going on behind him was really pleasant, but, it's it's a lot like what Pearl Jam normally does, except that I do think that they tried to play a little bit more of a heavy style to sort of match what I think they know Chris Cornell was doing. And, and the drumming of Matt Cameron kind of drove them in that direction, too, because he's a I love Matt Cameron as a drummer. He's a very powerful drummer. Um, and a lot of people in the comments on our uh, our Bad Motor Finger review have agreed um, with that, that it's something that stands out to them. So I don't think it was just us hearing that uh, when Josh and I covered that. But um, Matt, yeah, or Matt and I covered. It, yeah. I apologize. But yeah, um, pretty easy thumbs up for me. I, you know, it's not one of the big four, so to speak, uh, grunge acts, Temple of the Dog. But it's it is in its own way because it's a merging of them. And it, I almost think of it as like another Soundgarden album or as another Pearl Jam album because it it manifested in my music journey, like when that was out. So it was just like, okay, here's more content, so to speak from Mm -hmm. these groups. So oftentimes I think of like, you know, hunger strike was on MTV and the radio all the time, still is all the time. If you put on like a nineties rock uh, channel and it it holds up with the, with the best of the songs in that era. So I I have more thoughts, but I don't want to take too many, but yeah, thumbs up for me. Well, I'm glad we're covering this because I would say in the past week, cause I did, I, owned this album um 
I got it, you know, I don't know, probably, probably like in 94, 95 or something like that. I think it was like a BMG music service. You know, I got this for a penny or whatever. Um, and, uh, but I probably in the last week, I've probably listened to this album more in that one week than I did all the other times combined, (laughs) to be honest, oddly enough. Um, and I just, if this album never, uh, hit me or, you know, really stuck with me, uh, when I was, when I got it, I was kind of. I don't know. I, I just, I wasn't, I was maybe expecting something to, I was going to connect with more. I, I always got through the first three or four songs. And then by the time I got to call me a dog, I, I had lost interest. I, I don't, I, I just never really, you know, there were other albums that I had that I would rather listen funny, to. And that's an awesome song. <laughs> exactly. And that's, well, that's, yeah. So, um, so I certainly got to spend more time with it this week and yeah, I'm glad that I did because it's, it's, it, it is a very good album. I, to me, this is, I was really trying to, th- you know, think: Is this more Pearl Jam? Is this more Soundgarden? And I, I, I don't know. I think to me, it's a pretty good merging of both. I mean, I, I defer a little bit on the side of Soundgarden just because of it's Chris Cornell's voice, and I agree with you, John. Oh, that's that so is funny. That I think is, it's more Pearl Jam than Soundgarden. See, well, yeah. the other thing too is Chris Cornell wrote all but all but three songs on this. Yeah. This is he wrote most of the songs here, and so. Um, I you have know. a different thought too, so I'll throw that in. Yeah, well, there you go. So, <laughs> yeah. I, so I, I just because his voice is so dominant, like it's just it's hard for me to say like this is Pearl Jam because Pearl Jam also has their own very distinct vocalist, and um, the vocals are kind of standing out here for me more than the than the music. Um, but, uh, but I, but it, all in all. It's it's certainly not as heavy as Bad Motor Finger, right? Uh, yeah. Than than that the album that, I mean, and I don't want to tear, I don't want to compare this too much to, uh, you know, like latter Pearl Jam albums or latter Soundgarden albums. I think I think it makes sense to kind of compare them with put them up against Bad Motor Finger and and Ten, the, the albums that are kind of coming out around the same yeah. time. Um, and so it's really it's really a good merging of both of those things. But yeah, I think that there's a lot of good deep cuts in here that I never really gave uh, much much uh, attention to back in the day. Definitely call me a dog like that. That was like oh that that's another song that starts yeah. off. It's kind of and I know why I turned it off when it got to that. I was like all right, it's just like this this ballad. It's I want something to rock out a little or catch me right away, and it didn't. So, um, but as I listened to it this week, I was like, geez, this really builds up to something really cool. And I like the piano. Like there's some other instruments, like a harmonica. I saw that Chris Cornell plays a banjo at one point, you know, so there's, there's some, you know, different instrumentation that's happening that, you know, that we weren't used to hearing really with, with these bands at this time. Um, and, uh, there's some great riffs. There's some, there's some heavier stuff. There's some lighter stuff. Um, you know, but yeah, to me overall, Chris Cornell's voice is just, it's, it's unbelievable, like how he can hit some of those some of those notes and stuff. So uh, there's good variety on here, and um, yeah, I I totally am kicking myself for not giving this more um, time because I think that I would like it even more. This would be one of those albums that I think that would really have stuck with me if I if I gave it more attention, and um, and then there would be a little bit more of a nostalgic kind of uh, you know twist to it, which would make me probably like it even more. But it's certainly a solid thumbs up. It's very it's it's very very good album. You just In had... fairness, it was competing with Poison, Matt. So <laughs> yeah, you just had an abundance of riches, Matt. You didn't. Like... Yeah, I yeah uh, yeah. Yeah, this is a uh, well. How great could an album be to, with a uh, combining Soundgarden and 
Pearl Jam be? Well, pretty fucking great because this album rules. Um, I am a. I think Matt's finding or uh, John's finding out he really liked grunge, which is funny because Matt and I are like, well, yeah, but it's like that's like yeah. So I am of the opinion that it's kind of neither Soundgarden nor Pearl Jam. I don't. I hear elements of both, obviously, but they don't really sound like Pearl Jam because this is kind of more bluesy than Pearl Jam in my mind, and they're not Soundgarden because it's like. lighter than Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how I kind of put them in my mind. Um I'm with you guys like listening to this with Chris Cornell. Obviously I knew him from Soundgarden, but like he's got one of the all-time great rock voices and like he's so powerful, he's like so singular and he can just hit those high notes and and uh in a way that no one else can or that I've heard does and it just made me appreciate him a lot more. Um and and kind of his talent so sad that he's um, dead because he could have been continuing to make music um and i just love kind of every song on here is really good i i really like everything i like you know they do add like sludgy elements like in reach down which is kind of like this really long second song where they jam out there's like a sick guitar part in the middle they're just kind of like exploring the space and having fun i don't feel like there's a lot of pressure on this album and the other reason I don't really feel like it's Pearl Jam, and obviously I'm not as knowledgeable about Pearl Jam as you guys are, but Eddie Vedder just kind of adds a different element to Pearl Jam than I think. Um, it just doesn't sound like Pearl Jam without him, I guess is what it, I'm um, trying to say. It, I think why Matt said I don't want to compare it to is it does sound, for me, more like the Pearl Jam of the late 90s and the oh, early okay. 2000s, which is yeah. a, I felt like a little bit more bluesy. Pearl okay. Jam at Got that it. point than this version, yeah. and it does sound a little bit more to me like later Soundgarden, like you know, not even super unknown Soundgarden, but like album after it was what down on the upside, right? So it sounds a little bit more like where they would be going later, yeah. yeah. But um, I love when you know they just there's all these great parts throughout all the songs pushing forward back has this great bass part um when eddie vetter comes in and they kind of harmonize on different songs um, or complement each other everything just works really well and i feel like you know as sad of an incident as it is of andrew wood dying it, it really like produced great motivation for music and um i thought the back half of the album was was just as good i really liked wooden jesus and your savior four walled world Cornell hits like so many like <laughs> great singing parts on that. That and, vocal, that vocal harmony at the yeah. end is really cool. That song, it, yeah, it's unbelievable, and I, it's just kind of everything I want in a rock band, really. Um, now, your savior is the most Soundgarden song on this album. That sounds yeah. like a Soundgarden song. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, it's got a great guitar part as well, but yeah, I just um, you know for not knowing anything about this band and and. Uh, it being combination of both of these other great bands, uh, it just produced another great album. So uh, the best, maybe, is it one of the best one album bands <laughs> ever? I don't know. Uh, well, the super groups are never really often long lived anyway, but um, this is a, a thumbs up from me. It's a really great, great album. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we almost haven't said enough about it, but it's just sort of like, it, I think we just know each other so well that it's like, this hits in all of our happy places. Yeah. Um, Spin only gave it two stars. <laughs> what? Oh, you can just put it on that that <laughs> website I have of like terrible Rolling Stone reviews where it's just yeah. So Rolling Stone liked it more. They gave it four. They gave it four actually. So they okay. they were down. They were down with the dog. 
There was a lot of edge lords in the '90s, man. Like if you read reviews, there's a lot of edge lords. Uh, like we could make a whole separate podcast I mean, of what are they the albums for? we love and just <laughs> people don't... shitting on them. Yeah, yeah. I I guess it's not reinventing the wheel in some way, but it it's still like just really solid rock and roll. Um, but there wasn't even a wheel to re- really reinvent when this came out because this yeah. came out before grunge became omnipresent. So you would just yeah. be like, ah, I don't like this. So yeah. <laughs> but who knows? Mm-hmm. So yeah, easy thumbs up, I think across mm-hmm. the board, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, it's you again, Josh, right? It is me again. More and Josh. I'm... More me. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We've got this De La, De La Soul. De La Soul is dead. Uh, released May 13th, 1991 in the opening montage. You heard roller skating jam Saturday night. And now you're going to hear keep in the faith. Knock a boost to some 14K. Diamond in the back, sunroof top. Waiting for the credit card to shoot, going shop. Jack plays the back, just knock another spot. Cause now in the hoodie. Kill one ring, came Jody blew a spark. Found about Judy around the corner in the park. Flipping like a dipstick, hip to the new. Practice in the rain, bellow in the blue. Jack rolled the carpet and swift like a skate. Yo, Jody, yo, I gotta go, I gotta date. All right, man, we're. What's the stats on this album? Yeah, so the stats on De La Soul is Dead. It comes in at number 545 in the 1990s on Best Ever Albums, number 46 in 1991, number 3075 of all time. It's De La Soul's second highest rated album behind uh, 1989's Three Feet High and Rising, which is a record we've covered already. Mm -hmm. Uh, It did make Rolling Stone's list, coming in at number 228, and De La Soul is ranked number 391 of overall artist rankings on Best Ever Albums. And before we get going, Josh, I have to ask if you stumbled across something. Mm-hmm. That cover of the yes. dead flower mm-hmm. has to be a troll of the fact that they were called like flower child hip hop, wasn't it's, it? It's exactly right. Yep. Okay, it's, gotcha. It's, I, got, I had never noticed that when I had seen that album before. I looked at it. Yep. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Yes, gotcha. it, it refers oh, to the death, death of the Daisy Age, uh, yes, which was a song yes. in the, and, you know, kind of their aesthetic in the, in the first album. I had never, all the times of knowing De La Soul and doing stuff, I'd never done that. And then I looked at that. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. So we did cover their debut album, Three Feet High and Rising, last season on season three, episode 31. So check that out for more bio and uh, other things like why it took so long for their albums to come out on streaming. De La Soul's three members, Kelvin Mercer, a.k.a. Postinus, a.k.a. Plug One, uh, David Trugoid the Dove, a.k.a. Plug Two, and DJ Vincent Maceo, a.k.a. Maceo, a.k.a. Plug Three, Pacemaster Mace and a million other names. Um, this album was produced by Prince Paul, who did their first album and their next album after this. They are also the part of the Native Tongues Collective, which includes Tribe Called Quest and other groups. They are from Long Island, New York, and met at Amityville High School. And while there, they also met Prince Paul, aka Paul Houston. They have eight studio albums, with their most recent being in 2016, and this is their second album. They are firmly alternative rap or rap they are influenced by parliament funkadelic africa bambata eric b and rakim public enemy james brown other artists um, similar artists tribe called quest jungle brothers diggable planets delta funko funky homo sapien boogie down productions followed by black Alicious, Jurassic five black star common dj shadow the roots and me myself and i is their highest charting billboard single at 34 and their 2000 album 
artificial intelligence mosaic thump reached number nine on the Billboard 200 charts. Um, this this is a departure from their last album. Um, as John pointed out, the album cover indicates that departure. Uh, the tone is darker. The humor is darker. There's some weightier topics discussed. That it was sure all, is. That was all intentional. Um, they wanted to show that they weren't just kind of these hippie, um, weird, you know, rap guys. Um, Maceo stated that the group's goal was, quote, breaking the stereotype and the stigmatism that put us in the hippie concept when Daisy Age was just an acronym for to inner sound. Prince Paul said, quote, we were tr- we were trying to prove we weren't just a one album act and that there was a lot of disillusionment with the music industry. When I listen to it now, the rap sounds say, shall we say bitter? <laughs> Unquote. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> It, uh, it was a highly anticipated album upon release, but the change in tone divided critics, and it's much more um, highly thought of now retrospectively and, and, and more recently. So another long album from, from De La Soul with a lot going on. Uh, let's start with Matt this time. What did you think of their second album? First of all, I'm just pulling this up on on Wikipedia here. Tom Waits was the co-writer of Oodles of O's, like there's, and Serge Gainsbourg has writing credits in some of these. Well, they probably did that because the samples, samples yeah. but they're yeah. But it's yeah. Uh, I, I, usually you just see it sampled by, but that maybe they're starting to, maybe this is just kind of what we're seeing with legal retroactively. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, this is what's happening now. It's like okay, if you're going to sample, you have to give the writing credits, which we didn't really see. Yeah. At least they're not listed like this in previous hip hop records, but. Man, this is a good album. I okay. So De La Soul, this is kind of like you know along the lines of like the you know the Tribe Called Quest, you know, and Gangstar. I I think this is certainly the the, the sound of these kinds of uh, of rap albums are really appealing to me. I love the production. I love the um, the sampling that's done. It still seems like there's there's some good mix of like it seems like 70s and 60s and you know sam- uh, of samples that mm-hmm. are lo-fi it's got this muted beat production you know this kind of almost you know some of these it's almost like they're produced to, to make it sound like a record's playing it's like there's there's that there's that fuzziness of, of like a of a record uh, playing mm-hmm. in the you know along with it or it is it, kind of like this permeating kind of sound in the background which just i don't know i just i like that i like that vibe it's not a it's not a clean production style and like more it just, organic or something or yeah it just seems yeah. and it just yes i think probably more organic and i like i i like the muted style i like kind of like that it's not as clear that the sounds aren't as crisp and clear and mm-hmm. i think that adds a layer to the beats that are happening and it just it sounds cool like this is a very cool sounding record um it is long there are 27 tracks on it <laughs> yeah. um now granted you've got several skits in here which i i, I skit one skit two skit, all the way through skit five um basically the most i can get out of it guys listening to the album and one's like just keeps smacking one of the other guys because he's <laughs> yeah. talking about how much he likes it and the other guy hates it so i don't know i mean those are kind of throwaway for me i don't i know that that becomes like a staple thing you know with, with hip-hop the skits didn't really do a whole lot for me for this record but the music certainly did um you know i think that you know oodles of o's is a great you know there's a lot of songs on here that just make you 
that just stick in my head after hearing it you know like please porridge is a very catchy you know uh you know kind of song there Uh, yeah i mean roller skating jam named saturdays was awesome i love it's got like that beginning intros like a disco kind of thing and then it goes more into the hip-hop uh lounge uh, uh uh type of sound and then biddies in the bk lounge is a real interesting song it's like a that's like a prog rock hip-hop song because there's like four different parts that are just kind of back to back to back, right? Yeah. These little segments. And and it's kind of funny that it's part diss track where the guy's like going back and forth with a woman in Burger King and they're dissing each other and stuff because she, she's mad at him because he's not taking her order and then they just start dissing each other. So, <laughs> But there's literally like four different parts of that song and it's kind of weird that it's all in one track. But um, but my great beats, my brother's a bass head, love the, love the beat behind that. Um, and then it's kind of more jams, like dance stuff, like kicked out the house is kind of like a, like a, like a house almost dance track kind of thing. So a lot of, a lot of variety on here. Um, it definitely seems like a more of a, I don't want to say it's more focused, but it's more mature maybe than their last record. Um, and it, it definitely seems like the, and I didn't pick up on the whole, the death of the flower, you know, kind of thing, but it does make sense with what's, what's happening here because it seems like it's going in a little bit more, I don't know if darker is the right way to put it, but there, there's some, there's a, there's an undertone here that's maybe maybe a little bit more um, layered, perhaps, than the previous record. Not necessarily better, but I, I don't know which one I like well, better. But it's definitely darker. I'll jump up. Okay, <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's, All right. it's super cynical. Can I jump in? Like, yeah. That, yeah the go. number one thing that jumped out about this album more than anything is that I'm like, boy, they had something to say on this album, mm. and before I even saw the cover. Like I listened to this album, I'm listening. I'm like, man, from the begin, like from Oodles of O's to you know, like there's all kinds. Of, uh, my brother's a basshead. Yeah. Um, uh, Biddy's in the BK Lounge. Afro Connections at a Hi-Fi. Millie pulled a pistol on Sant. There's all these songs lyrically. You're like, man, they are they are not happy about something. It's a and you know you always hear that this is the Dark De La Soul album and stuff, but I think it's been a while since I listened to it, and I'm like, man, especially after you listen to the first album and then this, yeah. um, even their choice of samples and stuff is is if you look at the original source material, it's much darker source material than it was. And so then when it was there and then the thing popped up, I just started laughing because a dead daisy flower pot. It's like, well, that's that certainly tells you all you need to know right there, along with the name De La Soul is dead. So like uh, and yeah, that I mean, yes, there's a lot of the things that I know is appealing to all of us in terms of sample selections. Um, the production is all great. But I my lasting takeaway from this album was less the the production and stuff like that. Cause we talked about it extensively, like why we like it in our uh, review of three feet high, uh, uh, three feet high and rising. But mm-hmm. this to me, the takeaway was, as I was looking at this, I was like, it is clearly, they did not like how they were categorized. I don't think they liked being called flower children or mm-hmm. like nerd hip hop or stuff like, and a lot of yeah. it, this is, this is more violent. It's more aggressive. It's more, um, in some ways mainstream right with the angle like the anger and some of the themes coming in and i just thought it was interesting because you you know and maybe this is why there was a reaction because de la soul you know you always think of them as being like the happy warriors and stuff like that and cerebral hip-hop and it's clear like when you listen to something like this it's like they did not like being reduced to that you know and uh, that was really my takeaway that they 
they're like, we're here to remind you that we also have the, this other side to us and we can really rap and we have credibility and we come from a, you know, lineage that isn't just this thing that has been slapped on us. And yep. I mean, they, they explicitly tell you it in the skits too. I mean, the skits are basically, <laughs> I mean, the skits, if you take them as like what the skits are, they're not appeal, but the skits are a narrative. It's like and the a first time story kind of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the first time around, I wasn't picking it up until a little bit later in it. I'm like, oh, okay, they're starting to, to give you the basically the liner notes, so to speak, of this yep. album. And then, yeah, when you listen to it a second time, knowing that you're like, oh yeah, they're they're clearly telling you thematically what this album's about. And then when you put them all together, you're like, ah, okay, got the central theme of what they're going for here, which only underscores the lyrics and, the, and, and, you know, the theme yeah. of it and stuff. And it works for me. I actually kind of like both juxtapositions of the group. They're wildly talented MCs with three yeah. different styles. We talked about before their sample selection. Once again, is choice, uh, but different, which I appreciated. Um, it's still eclectic, but it is, uh, Matt said focused. I think the focus is more that they are clearly not just picking samples for how they sound. They're picking samples for tone and mood and source material yep. uh, as well. If you dig backwards, like I did a little bit of what the songs are they're picking, you'll see that even the songs they're picking thematically are similar to what they're going for here. So, yeah. Definite thumbs up for this album, but if you are a person that is expecting, like I think a lot of critics were and, and listeners were, uh, a redux of their second album, they're not giving that to you. Yeah. Uh, there's enough here that you still probably would like it, but it's it's a very different album in many other ways too. Yep. Yeah, and it's a. I'm with you guys. I I really like this album as well. It is a departure, but it's more like when you reframe it as just them like showing a different side of themselves and and not expecting more of the first album then i think it it's just as rewarding it's a complex album in some regards you know there's a lot to unpack it takes a while it took me a while to kind of get into it and i didn't really respond to it in the the first listen the way i did the first album i was like what's going on here it didn't i don't know it didn't cohere with me i think i liked the lighter tone of the first album a bit more at first and Again, I don't like the skits. I I don't think it works sonically nearly ever. Then, uh, but I kind of understand what they were going for. Um, the the interludes, you know, they they structure their songs so interestingly. They often have you know interludes within the songs. That's kind of what Matt was saying about the prog element, or they have like spoken word segments, and you think it's on a different song, but it's still the same song. Well, and like, can I ask you something, Josh? I know yeah. you don't like skits, but a lot of times skits are played for humor or realness and yes. stuff like that. Did it work for you in the context of clearly, and you seem to have picked up on it too, clearly these were sort of like outbursts a little bit at like people that annoy them yeah. responding to how they think we're going to hear this album. And then the fact that they did hear it that way was there. So the skits largely existed did that at all work it, more for you or no? No. Because I, I, I don't think yeah. this album could exist without those skits because I think pulled together they're almost a song in their own right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like put your feelings in the songs and, and the skits, okay. they're not – well, I don't find them funny. Um, I, I find them annoying, uh, at least on this album. Do you think they were playing for humor on – I don't think they were playing for humor. I think yeah, they I, were, I don't know. Yeah. 
I think it's a, I think it's a stretch to say that this album couldn't exist without those skits. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like I, for me, like as the non lyrics person, like I, you know, I, I was struggling to figure out exactly what was going on with the skits. Cause it, they were short so, and sometimes it was hard to hear what they were saying in the background, but like musically, like, no, the skit, you're making it sound like the skits make the album. No, what it no, is. no, you're, you're no, but I think you choose to call an album. De La Soul is dead yeah. on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you could have called it anything else, but when you make a conscious decision to do the art they did and do call your album De La Soul is Dead and write lyrics like this, mm-hmm. I, I think they kind of were almost like, if you don't get it, the skits let you know. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I, I mean? In case you were missing it, like, here's, like... I don't... I guess it seems redundant yeah. to me then. Like, I, I feel okay. like I got the feeling of it through the songs and kind of the the nature you know the topics of some of the songs i mean like but don't you get the feeling they were saying we think a lot of people are not going to get it because they're not listening to we don't get a feeling they're listening to as much of our lyrics as we want and like they'll just say these aren't songs i like like the first one so (laughs) and fuck you if you feel that yeah i mean yeah that's uh, those people are dumb then i guess like i don't know it's i feel like you can kind of get even without like paying attention to the lyrics you kind of get thematically or or sonically a different tone than the first album but i i don't know i i they're making their point and i guess i didn't need them to make their point but that's me listening in retrospect i don't know what it was like when the album came out um the sampling is great i love how organically they they play off each other when they're rapping and kind of you know transition from one to the other in the songs um a song like ring 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 i hey 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 feels or ha ha hey is like an example of kind of the cynicism and their unhappiness you know with all these people coming up to them trying to give them demos and like get them uh you know get them into the industry or you know help them out i feel like that's kind of what i picked up on in terms of their unhappiness i didn't and the skits are kind of superfluous as a result um Millie pulled a pistol on Santa. You guys didn't really talk about this song. It's about a, an abused girl whose father plays Santa and who she then, uh, a sexually abused girl who then like kills him with a gun. <laughs> and it's like super dark. And uh, it's when you listen to those lyrics, you know, it's it's very apparent as well. The change in tone from the first album. And My Brother's a Basshead is another example of, you know, talking about drug use and, and uh, you know, it's not, it's not as funny. Um, as the first or lighthearted as the first album. Mm. But then they also, you know, have a roller skating jam named Saturdays, which has this great upbeat feel. And do you know what roller skating jam is the origin behind that song? I think that would help. So the origin was the record company said they needed something playable like their first album. So they wrote what they considered to be a complete nonsense song that would meet the quota of it. So basically that's a song they feel it's a great song but they feel it's like a song about absolutely nothing. That mm. it, so it's a in its own way. It's, cynical, that's why yeah. they gave it such a name <laughs> yes. that doesn't mean anything. Because right. it's so, in many ways, it's thematically fits perfect on the yes. album. Because it's, yeah. So that's the, that's what happened with that one. And Kicked Out of the House, I thought that was, song was hilarious. I mean, they say right up front, we, we don't mean to offend any electronic music, but this is what we think it would be. And just them kind of repeating these samples and saying put it on vibrate and i just i just started laughing at one point listening to that song so 
I feel like this uh, this album is well worth a listen, and um, it reveals itself the more you listen to it. I think, as we've said, we've all kind of gotten different things out of it and and pulled different things from different parts of the album, and so I think it's I think it's great in a different way than the first album. I'd like it a little less than the first album, but I still think they're kind of they're almost experimental. Uh, they're pushing the envelope in a lot of ways in hip hop um, on this album. And uh, so, yeah, I like this album a little bit better. And I I just, I think I might've heard this a little bit different than you guys, because to me, you know, what was a spiritual predecessor to this was like Frank Zappa. Remember Mm -hmm. when he made that album where it was sort of like interludes and sketches and it was supposed to be sort of like, we're only in it for the money. Yeah, but yeah, we're on it for the money. And it, it was his sort of take on the industry and society. And and I think I said in that album, it almost was like a movie kind of with the yeah. theme and there were these different pieces. And normally some of the stuff he'd done might have annoyed, like annoyed me. But when I understood that it was sort of like a like an art project as much as a as an album, like it really made me appreciate it more. And that's what this album reminded me of. I felt like this was part music part thing but part social statement too and i think it's important to realize like coming out in 1991 like what the system was that it was going into right like in de la soul i think kind of wanted to be looked at as serious hip-hop because yes some of their heroes were the eccentric or the party but also their heroes were like new york mcs and public enemy and stuff and that's what this album feels like to me Mm. like we're pissed we're not taking seriously like that and we're pissed that we're not thought of as like you know what i mean like in our own way tough in our own way male in our own way you know sexual you know like all the stuff you know it's that we're just these like sort of like feel good sort of um you know things and so that that was really how i processed this album as a theme album kind Mm -hmm. of yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I can understand. And so you said, are the skits essential for that? Yes, for me, they were because it's not them as a thing. It's more, you know, they they wrote a song that was different that you guys both said this song's different. I like it, but it's unusual. And like the whole sketch after it is, man, that song sucks. It's not what they do. I'm like, <laughs> they basically like cut, like gave the commentary right afterwards of what they thought. Clearly, people a lot of people think. are going to think. Yeah. So I did find just, that pretty funny because there's just a self-awareness so inter- to it. It's just so interesting because, yes, like uh, to all of what you're saying, but at the same time, man, I just – I'm not look when I listen to music, I'm, I'm not looking for themes. I'm not pulling apart stories and stuff like that. I'm just – I'm here for the music mostly. And I realize I am totally putting myself at a – you know, that there's a lot that I'm missing. Um, and it's – and um and I might get more out of it, but it's just especially with something that I have zero background in or knowledge about. It's just I wasn't really picking up on many of that stuff at all, to be quite honest. I was just more I was so, just but you enjoyed in the music. it though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, and so here's my question: like he clearly was sort of going after that take, right? Like on the sketches, but he would just assume that you wouldn't like it if you had. No, I thought take. the music but was the, great. I, I yeah, but the, the irony is, yeah. he said that you know. The complaints you had, like, man, I don't want to hear this. I want it. these songs aren't as good as the other songs, but you didn't have that reaction. You still no. like the songs, but you also had the general theme that he was sort of yeah. pushing up against, shall we yeah. say? Yeah, yeah, I mean, 
I, I picked, I mean, like I said, I, I, I didn't come full heart like, wow, this is way dark. I'm like, no, it seems, it seems a little darker to me than, you know, but like, I, I just, it, it wasn't really something that I was focused on. I was just like, I, I listened to the album twice. Like I said, it's a lot, it's an hour and 13 minutes and yeah, it's definitely 20, a time commitment. So it's, yeah. it's a lot to get through and it's hard to kind of be like, and I didn't realize I'm like, shit, it's 27 tracks. I didn't even realize that listening to it, but um, I, yeah, it's just like one great, like musically and beat wise and production and, and samples. Like it's, it was, I didn't, there weren't many songs in here that I didn't like enjoy. Yeah. So, um, uh, uh, yeah. So I, I very much enjoyed it for that. And then if I went back to listen again, I'm sure I would get more out of it. Certainly with, with more of a background in it. So, yeah, um, I think, yeah. I mean, I think both of you are just proving my point that you can get out a lot out of it. And also kind of the out, uh, the, the whole point of our podcast is like the album as a concept and like how it can work, uh, to you know, as a total and like what it's saying totally versus like the individual songs. So, um, yeah, I think we're all in agreement though that it's good, yeah, and and uh, that we like it. So, well, and I'll end with one last thing. I remember one time a friend of mine out of the clear blue when we were in New York City one day said to me, What a beautiful day in the concrete jungle. I think I'll go down to Calliope and just be a fucking dickhead, which always makes me laugh from who do you worship. So when that came on, I started laughing because it reminded me of a friend of mine who said that when we were <laughs> in the city funny. one time. So yeah, he's a big De La Soul fan. So yeah. Yeah, nice. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Ice. Last album of the evening. This is My Bloody Valentine with Loveless. In the opening montage, you heard uh, Come In Alone, and now you're going to hear What You Want. So My Bloody Valentine's Loveless comes in at number four in the 1990s on Best what? Ever Albums. Way higher than like 16,000 or whatever the hell Jodeci was. Uh, number two in 1991, number 21 of all time, it is My Bloody Valentine's magnum opus, their first best, best album on Best Ever Albums. It did make Rolling Stone's list, cracking the top 100 at number 73. And My Bloody Valentine is ranked number 35 of overall artist rankings. On best ever albums, I think I know what Josh's take is already. <laughs> um, so we previously did cover My Bloody Valentine with their album, their 1988 album, Isn't Anything. That was from season three, episode 27. So John, I believe you did the bio for that. So Correct, if you yep. want to get the his the history of the band with the karate tournament and all you can go back to to that episode uh the band at this point does include kevin shields on vocals and guitar calm okloishig i think on drums john you did a pronunciation i didn't I, I, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's it's a, it is a very irish name but he is the uh, drummer belinda butcher on vocals and guitar and debbie googe on bass uh, as i said this is their second studio album they only have three so the um, the album that came out after this came out ten years ago, so uh, <laughs> yes. twenty thirteen MBV. I remember, 20, yeah. So we're and I think John, you said, and I did listen to the previous episode where we covered this. I think you said we're going to be covering that record as well. We are, yep. When we get to the twenty thirteen, we'll do all three of theirs. Yeah. 
Uh, so genres, well, shoegaze, um, uh, dream pop, noise pop, noise rock, and avant rock. Uh, artists that influenced them include Cocteau Twins, The Beach Boys, Brian Eno, Husker Du, Jimi Hendrix, Wire, The Beatles, Sonic Youth, Velvet Underground, Pink Floyd, Throbbing Gristle, The Kinks, and uh, the album. The artist that Kevin Shields claimed was the main ins- inspiration for this record, Neil Young. Um, oddly enough, what? which yeah, he said Neil Young was a major influence on this record, as was The Cure. Um, which he said later on that the song What You Want was basically an homage to The Cure's Just Like Heaven. Okay. Neil um, Young, the godfather of shoegaze. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so other artists that they are similar to include uh, Slow Dive, Jesus and Mary Chain, The Pixies, Yola Tango, Ride, Spiritualized, Flaming Lips, uh, Dinosaur Jr., and The Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, they are followed by artists such as Garbage, Mazzy Star, Mogwai, the Dandy Warhols, uh, Black Rubber Motorcycle Club, Seeger Ross, Explosions in the Sky, and Japan Droids, amongst many others. Uh, there's a ton of artists listed on the followed by section on all music because this is a very influential band, despite Josh's scoffing. That's why it's their, four. Yeah. <laughs> this, not for Josh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So they didn't really have singles, but I guess you could say their highest charting single was To Hear Knows When, which hit number 29 in the UK, and the highest charting really album. interesting. Yeah, they didn't really have any uh, US uh, charting uh, hits, uh, album or otherwise. Oh, yeah, I didn't expect singles. It's just that's an interesting one for the one that was, yeah. Oh, the, for the song, yeah, To Hear Knows When. And then the uh, I, this is the highest charting album, which did hit number one in the UK. Um, so there were a couple, there's a... So this album took a long time to make. There's this is notorious. It took over three years to create this record. Um, and most of what you hear on this is basically just Kevin Shields because he kind of, it's one of those albums where he had the um, the vision, if you will, of what this album, what he wanted it to sound like. And the only one that could really create what he was going for the way that he wanted to was, was himself was Kevin Shields. Um, so, you know, you're not getting much of a cliche on the, on the drums here. Actually, a lot of the drum beats here were looped were like samples that, that he would record mm. and uh, they just ended up looping them. So it's a lot of sampling uh, of the drum, of the drum loops. Um, and he was also dealing, Kalishig was dealing with a lot of um, personal issues. So he wasn't very much, very engaged with this record. Uh, 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 Belinda Butcher was okay not being really playing a whole lot of guitar on this because she never felt like she was a good guitarist to begin with, and uh, and 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 uh, and Goose just you know they they just felt like it, it's not going to be worth the time for Shields to describe to Gouge like what he wants her to do. So he's just going to do it anyway. So, um, so this is kind of almost like a Kevin Shields uh, solo record uh, in, in terms of the music. Um, no obviously this band didn't have very many albums. Yeah. Well, they got, I think they got along. Okay. I didn't really hear a whole lot. Yeah, I they did. They, they all I, lost their hearing too, which I thought yeah, was interesting. They what, all t- have like tinnitus or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. They all yeah. have tinnitus. Yeah. 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 So um, they had a bunch of engineers work on this record technically, but really uh, Shields said that was really only two, um, Alan Mulder and Angile Dutt. They were the only ones that really did anything. He's like, basically everybody just else just sat around and fixed tea. Um, but the, 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 so the record company, um, because, because Kevin Shields took so long 
to 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 record stuff and a lot of these tracks he would start he would record a little bit here and then he wouldn't come back to them for several months later and then then Jeez. lay this other part down um he said in an interview that basically you know he's it's, he works like an on and off switch like if he's feeling motivated if he's got the inspiration he's all in but when he's not feeling it, he doesn't see any point of trying to force, you know, uh, producing something or, or recording anything. So it took a long time. And as a result, the record company basically said, well, we're just going to we're not going to spend a ton of money on a on a, on a uh, studio. So we're, they gave them like a lot of uh, cheap studios, which they ended up bouncing around because obviously the studio that they go to was not equipped to get the sound that Shields wanted. So I read there was anywhere from 19 to 25 different studios that they, <laughs> that they went to, to Jeez. record this record. Um, and, uh, and that also contributed to it taking so long for the, <laughs> for them to uh, record it. Um, actually during, during the recording of this album, they, they also recorded and released two EPs. Uh, there's the, there's the EP glider and tremolo. Both of those are named after the technique that Shields used to play his guitar, which he coined the glide guitar. And John, John talked about this in the previous mm -hmm. episode where it's basically taking the whammy bar, the tremolo bar and, and moving it up and down as you're strumming the guitar to kind of give it the, it's basically like pick picture just adjusting the volume off and yep. on so it's loud loud soft loud soft like very very quickly and that's where you kind of get that echoey kind of uh, guitar sound um the vocals that shields and, and butcher recorded were done in the studio and when the engineers were present they didn't want them hearing it they didn't want them doing anything so basically they turned off their their monitor so they couldn't hear and they also put a drape in between them and the and the, and the and the studio so that they couldn't see them and they the only reason that they could tell that they were actually singing was the was the uh you know the the the, the monitor uh kind of like uh the 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 uh, the like the little arm of the monitor was moving. So they were like, oh, okay, that we can tell that they're singing. Um, so he really didn't want producers and engineers working on this. He kind of wanted it to be his own thing. So, um, so yeah, so this album cost a lot of money and uh, the, the label is called creation. They actually said that, you know, that it put them out, of, almost put them out of business and it cost almost $500,000. Uh, Shields later refuted that and said, no way. They barely gave us any money. Like Colin McClasic basically was, was almost homeless and they were just trying to scrounge up some money. They put him in a flat. So, um, so, but creation was like, no, they cost us a ton of money. So, um, so yeah, so this is, um, you know, it's an album that's been very much touted by critics. Um, they kind of, they pretty much loved it right away, and it's been very influential. It's got a very distinct sound. If anybody out there is looking, you know, or wondering what shoegaze is, it's they, all by all indicators, it's like you go listen to this record, and that's essentially um, what you're going to uh, what it is. Um, the vocals. Good luck trying to figure out what the vocals are because um, they're they're purposefully you know uh, uh, obscure. Um, they kind of just did the vocals on the fly, and um, they actually it sounds like in a lot of times it's you know it's it's Shields and Butcher singing, but actually what they did was they recorded multiple tracks like upwards of thirteen to fifteen different tracks, and really he put them all together, and so it's not just one vocal that you're hearing. You're, it's it's multiple ones, but. Um, but but most of them are so far into the background that you can't really decipher that. It just it, the way that it kind of comes together. It's, it sounds like it's just one vocal coming from them. So, um, so yeah. So that's a little bit of uh, Loveless. Josh, let's hear. Let's start with you because um, I, 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 I you already kind of tipped your hand. So yeah. uh, why do you, why do you not like this record? Uh, I find I 
I don't get it, guys. I don't fu- I don't understand what the appeal of this music is. I find it incredibly frustrating and and annoying and it's taking like I can hear where the band's influences are with like the Cocteau Twins and Jesus and Mary Chain, but like when you combine them and I don't like either of those bands very much to begin with, it like makes it like twice as worse listening to it. I I just don't I don't understand the appeal of like not being able to hear or understand what the band wants is saying or like kind of the dream, the dream aesthetic just doesn't work for me. And that I got a lot of that on this album and then the feet, the feedback or kind of like the droning nature of it and making everything kind of murky and, and unintelligible and having kind of feedback or that, kind of noise or static or whatever you want to call it like equal to the singer and the drums and the other instruments or or more so to drown it out I just that's not like what I want from music um there were there were things I like parts of things I liked on this album I thought the first song only shallow had this kind of underlying rhythm that was pretty cool and um and then uh like the last song soon had has a melody on it that I really liked, but, um, and sometimes, which is kind of in the middle, it's kind of got this mellow vibe to it. I I guess I'm just not like into albums that are just dreamy, spacey vibes. And I feel like that's kind of what this is going for. And I guess maybe that's why it's so influential. People are like that. It's interesting that you brought up black rebel motorcycle club because that is, is a band that I can see being influenced by this, but that works so much better for me because it's like, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, feedback or droning on top of like blues or something. They're and, more, it's they're they're more straight ahead. They had their yeah. song structures are more traditional. Yeah, I guess, and that and that just works and is so much more appealing. Um, I I don't, it, it's too kind of electronicy and um. I don't know, like antisocial in some ways or something and like intentionally difficult and like you, you don't have to like try and push me away to like, not like this album. I'm just not going to, I'm not going to respond to it. I'm not responding to it. I don't understand it. It's, I'd rather listen to Sonic Youth than this. It's like, that's a, I don't know. It's just kind of a better version of this or, or different. I don't know. I just, they're more rock and roll than this is to me. And, um, this genre is just becoming increasingly frustrated. Uh, if this is going to keep like, if what other albums that we're listening to are going to sound like this, then uh, it's going to be a tough, uh, rock to push up the hill. So I don't, I don't know. I didn't like this album. <laughs> Well, Josh, I fucking love this album. I know. It's one it's I knew probably my favorite album of the 90s we've listened to so far. So, I'll try to explain why I love this album because it hits First of all, I I think one of the big differences, Josh, is like I'm not listening to this album for underlying melodies. Like that's that to me is not why this genre exists, right? This this genre is designed to like overwhelm you sent like I know on you've headphones. said that before. Yep. I mean, I listen on headphones. Yeah. It's just like oh no, I'm not saying you're wrong. Way. I'm I'm just saying like <laughs> it's just a key distinction, right? Yeah. Like this is there's nothing frustrating about this to me. This is like a happy place for me. I put the swirling, buzzy guitars and sort of like the 
the vocals blended into the mix and the ambiance and i know you said like the space vibe but i you know yeah. shoegies is such a perfect term for it because it is like you put your headphones on and you kind of like either look down or you put your headphones on and stare at the sky you know the ceiling of your thing and just sort of just there's something with the the buzz and the blend of this music that has a real calming effect on me kind of and mm -hmm. I love how Only Shallow starts the album, like the guitar riff right at the beginning. It's just like sweet, sweet candy Sets for me the at the beginning. It does. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, When You Sleep is such a good song. Like it's just, it, it just comes at you. Every, and the other thing I love about this is when you put it on, you notice different things. Each time you put it on, like little bits of it, you sort of connect on and kind of you can ride the wave on whatever you're listening to and just focus on that part and like hypnotically blend into it or you could just let it all wash over you and kind of just be almost sort of like one track with just different pieces together and <laughs> yeah. from the beginning of only shallow to the end of soon and just everything in between there's just there's great individual tracks like let's do isolate it there's a great overall piece together I think the 48 minutes, it's funny because this is one of the, the shortest album we cover this week. And yet it's it expansive. It felt so long to me. I, well, I was going to say, I bet it felt longest to yeah. to Josh. Whereas for me, it's like I put it on. And then by the time I processed it, it was over. And there was no concept of time. Because like <laughs> when I listen to an album like this, it's not about time or trying to intellectualize it. It's... It's almost the closest I come, guys, to listening to music like how Matt describes he listens to music. It's like, I'm not here for the intellect or the overthinking. You know, I'm here for the vibes, right, <laughs> of like what this gives me. And I, I, it, I just like you knew I was going to like this, I know that this is not a sound that, that appeals to you, Josh, so I totally get it. Um, I don't want to speak for Matt. I, I'm pretty confident I know how Matt's going to feel about this album, too. But I'll it, give him his take along the way. But yeah, this this is influential for a reason. It sounds like a lot of stuff that came later. And of course, is it if, like Josh said, it's also very much um, a mix of all of sort of the noise rock, proto-shoegaze. But I, I get the Neil Young stuff. I get the Jimi Hendrix stuff the art rock elements of it as well. Like when they mentioned wire and stuff like that, I, it is sort of a syncretic blend of all of, of that together. And that's where I say you could pull out pieces where you can see a little bit of like the, the uh, Neil Young album we covered at the end of the seventies, early eighties, right. That had, Hey, Hey, my, my on it and stuff like that. Like how that could be influential on this. Um, so yeah, this is my highest recommend, like <laughs> highest level of recommendation. Yeah. This may get a sixty out of sixty for me <laughs> on album chart. That's how it's, much I like this album. It's funny you said hypnotic because I do, I do kind of get that. But at one point I was like listening, I was like hypnotized into like why is this song still on? <laughs> like why oh, is okay. it still going? Oh, it just doesn't hit the same way for you. Yeah. So I guess yeah. the best example of something I did like that we talked about so far is that ride album nowhere. That's kind of mm -hmm. like the best version of what I've okay. what I've liked so far. Mm -hmm. So um that's different than this, but uh, yeah, know, I mean it has scale. it has similarities though. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. it is way more rooted. I've come I used to always joke with uh 
that Matt needs sort of the melody and stuff, but I have come to realize that really the person who most needs melody on this podcast is Josh, (laughs) I think, in many ways. You need it to be rooted, I think, in some sort of, you know, like familiar sound, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, come on in. I need structure, I guess. Yeah, I love this album. Um, I knew you would. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I knew you and I were both going to love this yeah, album. So, yeah, um, and I, it was. I, I'm glad that I do because the last album that we covered of theirs, I remember being a little lukewarm on. I liked it, and I think I liked it more as as it went on. But um, I was. This was a much easier get for me than the previous record. I think Hypnotic is certainly there, but a Hypnotic in, in a very good way. This just this album just washes over you. It's just like this. It it just starts get grabs you right away and doesn't really let up. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting. You know, it's Sonic Youth certainly is a is a band that you know it's it's a contemporary or you know kind of in doing similar things here. But this is so much to me. This is a much more pleasing sound. Um, there's a brightness here. There is a, uh, and I know you kind of are saying that like, oh, it's, it's not really melody, but there it's are, the tremolo, it, man. It's you just like the tremolo sound more than you like the, but um, it's alternate the tremolo's like the, tremolo's yeah. like the, is the effect. It's, I don't know. I, there's like a dart, like the tuning, the, it's, it's more sonic youth is more discordant than this. Um, this, sure. this, yep. this kind of hits, you know, this, when they hit like certain guitar, chords because a lot of this there's not a lot of changing of chords it's kind of just like sticking with the thing that you're doing already Mm -hmm. and certainly the effects that shields is doing is what he became known for is uh is is the is their calling card um but it's just i i I don't know and it just it just hits me in a way that's very it's very inviting i think in in a weird way and it it, and it's juxtaposed against the fact that it's just yeah, it's a lot of noise, right? It's a lot. It's a lot. Of just like overwhelming noise, um, and to me, this album gets better as it goes along. I do like yeah. the way that it opens. It's got a great opener there, and then you've got like three tracks that are kind that I like, but aren't to me aren't really what makes the what makes the record. Um, you know, touch just kind of like its own. I mean, it's only a minute long. That might be my least favorite. It's kind of that's that might be. I don't know. In some ways, that's more one of the more experimental tracks on this. But once they get to um, when you sleep, it's just like a murderer's row of of just like great um, sounding songs that. Um, there's different tempos behind them. There's different beats. There's some songs in here that don't have drumming at all. And then you've got a song that's very drum based, like soon, you know, that's just got this driving kind of galloping drum behind it. Um, and uh, I love, I love Belinda Butcher's vocals. I like that. It's, there is that dream pop element there, which is very uh, appealing to me. And um, that run of song six through eight, I only said coming alone. And sometimes in particular, you said a murder. That's a particular like that as a trifecta. It's like, damn. Yeah, I'd start. I'd start at when you sleep. I I would. I would start. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you sleep's great, too. Yeah, Yeah. that's number five. Best song on the album, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Five through eleven, um, and I like I like song one as well. But it just I love albums that or songs or yeah albums that get better and better. But yeah, it just it washes over you, and it just kind of like. It, it, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's hypnotic. It puts you like in this trance like state. That's just like, well, what the hell is going on here? You know? And, and you're also hearing so much of what's coming later on, whether it's a, a true shoegaze group or not, you know, the smashing pumpkins, for example, kept coming up as being a band that was in mm-hmm. Billy Corgan, an artist that was very much influenced by this, but smashing pumpkins, you would not say sounds like, like this necessarily. So like they're, they're yeah. another band that's way more strong. I mean, they have, 
more fuzzed out effects what on you guitars want and stuff. Kind of sounds like a Smashing Pumpkins song. Th- you, yeah, there's elements. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I mean, as the, as the whole thing, it's not. You know, this is not Smashing Pumpkins. I would not call a shoegaze band, right? No, no, no. Um, so uh, or a dream pop band. I mean, they've got dream pop songs, but I that th- th- they're more of just a traditional alt rock band that incorporate a variety of different things. But um, but for what they were doing at this time and how and how this took off and it just influenced so many other people and basically Kevin Shields inventing a different way of playing the guitar. I think that was one of the you know interviews or that I read that somebody was saying like you know you kind of get to the point where you think we've kind of done everything that we can with rock with guitars and stuff and everything like that and then this guy comes out and does something that like somebody like Robert Smith was just going like what what is this what you can do you know like this is and he's like that's it's like you influence me and now i'm going yeah. to be influenced by you which is exactly cool. yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so and robert smith said this is one of his three favorite albums of all time you know so he's, he <laughs> think it's a lot of high praise and stuff so i mean i i don't know it, i mean you could certainly see someone like butch vig listening to this album when he's yes, like let gar- me make a yes. band called garbage you know mm-hmm. it's like no yeah, for okay, sure not hot, yeah yeah, so um, it's going to be interesting to see how this lands in my overall hierarchy. But I, I I'm going to listen to this album some more. I really, I just thought that this hit a lot for me. Um, and and for an album that is a lot of noise, there's something just really interesting when you're juxtaposing that underneath, like a really, what is to me a pleasant sound, a pleasant um, tone, and um, and 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 there is some structure here. You know, a song like. Um, you know, coming alone is it, you know, or even soon is it, there's, there's, there's elements here of like traditional songs. They just happen to be buried underneath the, 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 the overpowering, you know, sonic sound that you're getting from the guitar mostly. But yeah, this is, this is great. Um, I wish I knew this album earlier because this, I, I think the only song I knew on here was only shallow because it was on like a nineties mix that, that I had, um, from years ago. But, uh, yeah, this is great. Big thumbs up for me. Yeah, it's I. I mean, I love all this shit. I love Jesus and Mary Chain. I love Sonic Youth. I love this. This is such a sweet spot for me, and it's so easy to see. Like we talked about some bands already that were clear. We haven't even mentioned bands like the Ravenettes and stuff, who like mm-hmm. clearly took elements of this. And so we could keep Seeger Ross is another band I thought of that has elements of this yep. in some of their songs for sure. So yeah, just yeah. good shit. And Josh, it's okay if it's not your your bag. Well, Matt the, and I will hold the candle for it pretty yeah, heavy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, th- there's plenty of fans of this. I, I guess the frustrating part for me is, like, it's not a question of, like, understanding and rejecting it. It's, like, not even being able to understand why people like it. <laughs> it's, like, this gulf of, like, just not not comprehending in some way. Is it kind of just one of those things It's like, you either, like, it sounds very, like, um arrogant say like you either get it or you don't get it and i'm not going i I think it's more just it either hits your ears like because matt and i don't just get like we we enjoy it it makes us happy and it makes you angry so (laughs) so it's just it's just her different yeah yeah it's the it's i guess it's it is tied to like the emotional reaction of the music i just can't even like bring myself to that place or like get there or, or understand how you would get there. So I don't know. Yeah. It's almost like ASMR for me a little bit in the sense that it's just, it's a sound that calms me down. Yeah. Um, I yeah, don't know. I, There's calm in the chaos, I guess would be the way I'd describe yeah, it. Yeah. I agree with that. And, and you're, and, mm-hmm. and you're listening to this for different reasons. I mean, and that's, I guess that's something that we've touched on here and there, but I don't know if we've ever directly said it 
may I probably have, but that you know, you're listening at different times. You're listening to different music for different different yeah, reasons. Whether you're trying is, to you're yeah. trying to heighten an emotion that you have, you're trying to ignore an emotion that you have. Um, you know, at a certain time of the day, a certain you know nostalgia, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. And so this, I would say, um, it, it's it's not. It's it's not something that most people would just like want to pick up. It's not a it's not a normal way or traditional way of listening to music for sure. And even though I, I love it, I I don't know if I would always want to listen to this. Um, I, I I know that I wouldn't. There's times where it's like, yeah, it's, this is not the time for for this type of music. But when it's right, oh man, it's really you good. know a good time <laughs> to listen to this music when it's pitch black and cold yeah. out at six o'clock. <laughs> I like this music to start my day. I don't know what that says about me as a human, <laughs> but I like to put this on. I can see that, John. Yeah. yeah. Can't yeah. you? I, that's yeah. what I said. This is the Venn diagram, Matt, where you and I overlap because yeah. I, I had no doubt that you would like this as much as I did because I'm like, this is where Matt and I meet. Like well, now I know, song. like when I brought the Ravenettes to your attention and you and I was like, I think you might like this. Like, I, you know, it's that's that was kind of like a, not an entry band to this, but that's a band, like you said, that kind of has similar elements. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and so it's like, yeah, you were like, holy crap, it reminds me of all these other things and that I, you know, that now I'm picking up on and stuff. So um, I do like that. I do. It's there's something about having that a lot of noise, but underneath it, it's like either a, either a really nice melody that like a Ravenettes will do, or the um, Jesus and Mary Chain did that a lot. They were more. Yeah. They had a lot Cocktail more melody twins, and song structure. Who I liked yeah. A lot when yeah. You guys did, um, yeah. And this this isn't as much of the melody, but it's just the sound. Just that this it's it's something like it's almost like the like the spa music. It's not like it's not like it's not like they're doing anything amazing musically it's just like they're hitting that 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 synth sound and just holding it and it's like that's a very pleasant sound and that's kind of what this is hmm. yeah agree to disagree <laughs> <laughs> fair enough so all right well i do want to run down next week's episode because even though josh is not here i've put some thought into this episode that so can you run down the albums we're covering and the 10 singles we're going to cover next week so oh we can God. wet the all appetite right. of the listener yeah, yeah i knew so you would enjoy this so all right so we're going to slow dive i i do want to cover is that a that's a shoegaze band isn't it or, or sort no? of yeah like, sort of yeah, yeah. okay mm -hmm. well then we're going to cover sh uh, slow dives just for a day uh we're going to cover brand nubian with one for all and the cure speaking of the cure we're going to be covering wish um so uh those are the records and then our our 10 singles that we're covering include run them uh, down matt bobby brown's humping around um poor righteous teachers with easy star straight uh, from trenton new jersey okay i don't know that caius with green machine you may know the lead singer of caius uh maybe i, I josh I, home oh okay really mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. all right. That's his first band. Okay. Uh, Living Color with Love Rears Its Ugly Head. Mm -hmm. Driving and Crying with Build a Fire. Uh, Sting, If I Ever Lose, <laughs> lose My Faith in You. Uh, right on. 10,000 Maniacs, I'm Not the Man. Uh, Catherine Wheel with Crank. Um, <laughs> this is the one that got me, John. Daddy Freddy, Daddy Freddy's in town. Yep. Oh my mm -hmm. God. I have not thought of that song in years. It yeah. blew my mind when I saw that. I think I was going to go to my grave dead without ever thinking of that again. And then I saw I it. That that's what I'm yeah. here for, Matt. Yeah, Matt, I was, title. oh my God. And I don't, that's, I don't even know why I know that song. I just don't do. say I fucking yeah. did, don't do my homework for this oh. podcast. Oh my Matt. God. And then mm -hmm. finally, oh, Alan Jackson with, Katahoochee. Chattahoochee. Chattahoochee, my friend. Chattahoochee. Oh, Chattahoochee. <laughs> there it is. I got it. I got it. 
fucking my eyes. <laughs> well, at least you didn't say another front word. <laughs> <laughs> they could have been worse. So. Chattahoochee. And, and with that, uh, you could go ahead and fill in the gaps. I'm going to sign off for uh, Josh and Matt. Have a wonderful holiday season, Josh, since we will not see you till the new year. See Merry New Year, Josh. 2024. Yeah. Absolutely. Take care. Lots of shoegaze in 2024. <laughs> <Yeah, up>. Great. <laughs> Combing the Stacks can be found on 13 different platforms. Viewer feedback can be sent to combingthestacks at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at CombingThe and on YouTube by searching for Combing the Stacks and throwing us a follow.